around and disregard it Ship you off the ground, show you what heart is Standing strong, I'm proud of it, and I guess Let's get it started, it's the hardest Talk around and disregard it Ship you off the ground, show you what heart is Standing strong, I'm proud of it, and I guess Let's get it started yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grip, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, in this art he is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest podcast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none contest. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now, it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away, ain't no skipping this track. Have you paying more attention, no listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted, no giving it back. Yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is the hardest. Talk around on disregarded. Howdy, neighbors. Welcome to Apron Bumps Neighborhood. Oh, I don't know. I was, I was going to try it out, but I, I, it's not good. It's not good. Welcome, everybody, to the Apron Bump podcast with your host, the hardest part of the ring. I'm sick of you all asking me if that's my real name. It is my real name, goddammit. Anyways, um, <laughs> today, man... This cocksucker's out here putting out a two-plus-hour two episode on WWF Unforgiven 2001. This is from uh, September 23rd, 2001, and it hails from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Man, when you look at this card, you're like, who gives a shit? But evidently, there is a lot of stuff to talk about. Um don't want to meander on too long but uh just to kind of set the stage here we are of course smack dab in the middle of the invasion storyline and please feel free if you're just catching this podcast and you haven't caught my previous episodes on the uh the other invasion pay-per-views leading up to this i would uh strongly recommend that you go check those out uh the invasion SummerSlam. All that jazz leads us here to Unforgiven, and as I just mentioned, we're fresh off of SummerSlam 01, where uh, Rock and Austin both walked out of that show as the uh, world champs, the uh, the WCW and WWF champions, respectively. So we kind of got those guys as the heads of each company, which, yeah... Yeah, it is just as dumb as it sounds. Rock is the WCW champion, but he is the head of the WWF. And then you have Stone Cold as the WWF champion, but he is the head of the Alliance. Yeah, try to organize those webs. You know that meme with uh, what's his fuck face from uh, Always Sunny? And you know that meme, right? When he has like the hands in his air and he has like a board in the back. Do I sound like a fucking uncle right now? Do you know that down the face tube with the with the pictures? God, I'm just a worthless piece of shit. But anyways, but somebody who is not a piece of shit is Dave from the Ruthless Aggression Era podcast. And you might be asking yourself, this is this isn't the Ruthless Aggression Era. <laughs> I don't know. I'm fucking goofy all of a sudden. But yes, he does 
Dave from the Ruthless Aggression Podcast, obviously a podcast dedicated to the Ruthless Aggression era in WWE. And while this episode here, Unforgiven 2001, does not fall under that banner necessarily, although I guess you could make an argument that anything after WrestleMania 17 could be like the transition. You know, as I said, not really the Ruthless Aggression era, but it is kind of transitioning from the Attitude Era to the Ruthless Aggression Era. And it was really cool to kind of get his insight. I mean, I've watched a lot of the Ruthless Aggression Era. I did miss out on a few of like, you know, 2002 and some of 2003. So it was cool to get his insight on where some of these guys ended up within like a year or so after this. Um, because he it, that, all that stuff is fresh in his mind, right? Because he's, he's already up to uh, No Mercy 2004. So and he's done all the shows... Uh, before that, all the pay-per-views, a lot of the Raws and SmackDowns, and even some Heat and Velocity stuff, which, by the way, subscribe to the Ruthless Aggression Era podcast. As always, find his info in the description. And uh, me and him were talking about having me on for a, a Heat Velocity episode <laughs> of his podcast, which should be hilarious. But yeah, go check that out. Subscribe to him and keep an eye out for that. Really great guest and amazing energy on this show, obviously. I mean... This episode's over two hours, and not one point did it, you know, begin to flander. You know what I mean? Flander? Flounder? The energy was was maintained throughout the entire episode. Super fun. Super fun guy, and it made for a super fun episode here on The Apron Bump. So go check him out. You can find him on the SoundCloud. I'll put that in the description. You can also find him on Twitter and Instagram at R.A. Era Podcast. So with that... Let's get right into it. Unforgiven 2001 with myself and Dave from the Ruthless Aggression Era podcast. But it's all, all a learning curve, all a learning curve, and you just you exactly. just get better with age. Like we're, we're, we're all like fine wines. Yep. <laughs> Bitter and delicious. <laughs> um. <laughs> but yeah, man. So did you get a chance to uh, check out Unforgiven? I did, I did, and do you know something? Like we we spoke about this, didn't we, off air? Where like back in the day of Unforgiven Invasion and all that hype, like I was a big, dirty sixteen-year-old mm-hmm. Mark loving wrestling. Like at the time um, in the UK, it was a very weird time for wrestling, very exciting time because Channel Four mm-hmm. had obtained, had bought like a third of WWE's pay-per-views, and they started showing Sunday Night Heat as well. Um, it was right on the turn of the Invasion where they were showing stuff. So I like right. if you were if you were a wrestling fan in the UK and you were 14, 15, 16, you were well invested in this. So I was like, right, so I'm gonna go and watch this back now as a 35-year-old. And let's see if actual the 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 but can I add do we swear on this? Oh yeah, of course. Marvelous. Because <laughs> I've got quite the potty <laughs> mouth. Um yeah, so the, the bollocks that I enjoyed when I was whoa, sixteen. Oh language. I'm just kidding. I know, I know. <laughs> I, that, that's probably the softest word I'll use so tonight as well. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I was like, well, is that gonna be is it gonna be the same now? Am I gonna get the same sort of um, affection towards it? And I kinda did. There were moments where now I look back and think, well, that was ridiculous. But probably when I was sixteen at the time, when I was their target audience, it was the best thing ever oh of course yeah the attitude era even though this is kind of like on the tail end of the attitude era some might argue it's like after it's It's that weird argue i think it's that weird in between isn't it like when we picked Mm -hmm. up on what i do covering ruthless aggression um we picked up on the first pay-per-view after the draft 
So this was like okay. that, that weird go between between the, the actual deal. Like, there's always that question when did the actual deal actually finish? Like, a lot of people say it's when McMahon and Austin sided together at Mania uh, 17. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what I mean? It's that. But then you've got this weird period, like, where Ric Flair comes and he's involved for a bit and he owns the company for half an hour. And, and then you've right. got the invasion <laughs> angle. So it's, it's that weird six month period where it's still attitude era. Like I look at the opening maybe six months to a year of ruthless aggression and there is still strong, strong elements of attitude era, but it's not right. classified as that. It's, it's classified in, in the chronological terms as Ruth, the start of ruthless aggression. But I think it's, in, yeah. it still blends like, like the attitude era had May Young giving birth to a hand. Ruthless aggression era had Triple H making love to a corpse pretending he was Kane. <laughs> tomato tomato Do you know what you i know? mean it's kind of it's kind of two things are the same <laughs> <laughs> you can argue which one's more ridiculous i can go either way yeah right? exactly exactly <laughs> but yeah it was actually like so this is a period so i was born in 93 so i was eight years old when this pay-per-view happened um but i actually so i grew up watching wrestling probably since like 98 somewhere in there and somewhere in 2001 i stopped watching um it's a long story, but I basically got in a fight with another kid and uh, my parents thought that my aggression was born out of watching wrestling. So, yeah, so, so, so I've heard. Like, I've, I've gone back and I've listened to a few of you um, to try and get myself a okay. bit more in, in okay. tune with Invasion. Right? And I, I do like how you bring the story up every time, but every time it's got a, more, <laughs> a, little, a little twist to it. We, we learn a little bit more right. about the situation <laughs> of your mother saying, wrestling is the reason you're a bad boy. <laughs> see it's storytelling elements here on the apron spot. you get a little something new every time it's like watching like the godfather or something i can't it's like we're gonna, we're gonna get to the end of the of this arc and it's gonna be mom actually hit me over the head with a kendo stick and she pinned me and went, i'll show you wrestling <laughs> my mother's bull mikado and all actually <laughs> four four man four four <laughs> but um but yeah this is that period i brought it up because i'm surprised you knew i'm, I'm glad you're a, you're a true fan that's it man um but yeah this is that period where i wasn't watching so this was actually the first time i actually went back and watched the whole thing wow um and like you said yeah that it's like this weird period because i like m- me myself i consider the attitude era ending at wrestlemania 17 yeah um and i, I would probably classify this era as the invasion era Mm. Probably up until like uh, I guess Survivor Series, and then there's. I think weird, that's like, probably what is best known as. Yeah, if you, if someone was to reference this era, I think Invasion era would be that nail on the head. I think. And it's funny because, like, in my head, the Invasion was like, okay, we have the Invasion pay per view, then we have like a pay per view in between, and then we have Survivor Series. But in reality, it's like m- the majority of the year that this. Oh, thing oh yeah, like, it, t- it took up a lot of time. Like it took up, like for for me, like like the invasion angle. It's always it's kind of crapped on by a lot of fans because yeah, there's no Goldberg, Hogan, Nash, NWO, rah 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 mm-hmm. rah. It's been spoken about a trillion times, but what's never spoke about is the way I kind of I looked at it because I like I was aware of WCW as a kid. I was aware of your mm-hmm. Hogan going over there and Goldberg etc. But I wasn't that much of a watcher. Now, I must have been maybe 15-ish, I'd say. Um, th- at the time, my father, he got installed. because At the time in, U- in the UK, you had three options of, of television watching, let's say. You had terrestrial TV, which was four channels. It's soon to be turned to five, which was the channel four I mentioned with WBF getting the rights to. 
um, which mm-hmm. was they, they were they got the rights, but there were whole loads of different rules in place. Like they showed the pay per view an hour and a half after it was broadcast live in America, so they could pause out anything they didn't like. Uh, they put adverts right. in the middle of promos. It was it was great because you didn't have to pay for it. But my God, they butchered the every pay per view. Right. But yeah, Give so you had take. to yeah you had terrestrial TV, you had Sky, so you had like everyone knows the dish on on the side of your house, or you had cable, and and we got cable. And on a, it was a Friday at the time in the UK where Raw was shown, but also Nitro was shown and Thunder was shown. So Nitro would start at nine, Raw would start at 10. I was always a WWF mark, so Raw would always be the place. Uh-huh. And then Raw would finish at like 12, but then there'd be the last hour of Thunder. So I'd kind of get the gist of what's going off in WCW, but this was the later right. years. So all the guys that went on to be part of the invasion, your, your people like your Shane Helmses, your Chuck Palumbos, you know, that, that sort of, the, the power plant WCW guys, I was mm-hmm. massively familiar with because that was all the WCW I was watching for the butt end of like 2000. Right. So when the right. invasion happened, I was like, oh, Sean O'Hare, I know him. He was tag champs. Oh, look, they still is tag champs. So I was well invested. <laughs> like it didn't really, obviously it did enter my mind, especially when you got down to the, the nitty gritty, like we are tonight with Unforgiven, where it's WWF versus WWF with a little bit of WCW and ECW spliced in to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you kind of, I look at it as a way where it worked for me because you got your, your kind of stars came out of it. You're Shane Helms, Rob Van Dam, massive star that comes out of all this. Booker T goes on to be a WWE uh, legend. Thanks because Absolutely. of this, because of this. DDP, right? D- well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we'll uh, talk about that. We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. He got some nice teeth out of it though, right? Well, yeah. Like, he got a storyline with Undertaker and not everyone can tell people they had that. They, he, he, the Undertaker was there. He sure was. He got a storyline out of Sarah. <laughs> Yeah, he got pinned by Sarah, but you know, just getting the old Sarah rub. Talking about the uh, one he wanted. He's on TV. He's on TV. Yeah, he was for a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's so funny, like your perspective of, on WCW, though, because everybody, when people bring up the invasion, they're always like, oh, I wish we had the Goldbergs and NWO and Ric Flair and all those guys. Like, I, me, myself, I'm on the same boat. I wasn't a big WCW watcher either. Um, but yeah, so I guess when you were watching, you were really invested in like the, the uh, but, Shane yeah, Helmses that, and the that, yeah, exactly. That was it. Don't get me wrong. I, I agree with everybody else. It would have been amazing if the actual invasion, the inaugural brawl, you would have had Goldberg, Nash, Hall, Joe, Hogan. Do you know what I mean? Proper WCW, not half of WWF's roster plus a couple of WCW. You, you didn't like Shane. You don't like Shane McMahon I love being Shane. A part of Team W? Absolutely, I am a massive Shane. Shane McMahon's on my Mount Rushmore. Shane's brilliant. Is he, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be able to wrestle. He's fat, he's dumpy, and whatever era, whatever era Shane McMahon wrestles is out of shape. But for some reason, yeah. he can do stuff that like fucking AJ Styles can do. He's brilliant. He's, he's absolutely... <laughs> but Shane McMahon is balls to the wall. Everything he does, he puts 100% in. And I suppose in this business, if you're going to be a wrestler, balls to the wall, man. And that's what Shane McMahon's all about. I love the guy. Dude, he's... Yeah, people like because it's like the main event. We'll we'll get to it uh, later in the show. But yeah. Rock versus Booker and Shane, I I really enjoyed that match. I thought it was. I mean, it wasn't you know a five star Meltzer classic in the in the not, Tokyo uh, Dome, yeah, but not it in was the slightest. Yeah, but entertaining I, I, as hell. I remember wanting Shane to win so much. 
Like, yeah. I, when, I was, when I was a kid, I always loved the heels. And still now as an adult, I've always been a fan of, fuck the baby faces. I want to see a bad uh-huh. guy. I've always loved the bad guys. And Shane McMahon, especially like when he ditched his dad to take over a corporation, then it was turned into a corporate ministry, and they had that badass theme tune. Like, every time Shane McMahon's on screen, it, for me, he's in, apart from now, now he just looks like, come on, mate, gear what? Uh, well, you don't like yeah. sweaty Shane McMahon in the Raw Underground? <laughs> no, no, at least dye your hair and get your hair jet black like it were when you were a cocky nah. dick. Nah, uh, he looks I like don't a like, handsome accountant. Nah, he looks like he looks like he looks like Joey from Friends. How he looks now? <laughs> Man, I don't know how I've never made that connection before. <laughs> he's got oh, that man, look, fat, He's got that fat, fat glowing face with that sharp gray hair. How dare you, sir? Shane McMahon is chiseled <laughs> out of granite nowadays. I mean, he always wears shirts, so who knows? But you either get you either get gray jacked Shane or black hair. Don't be. Yeah, but he always he always wash your he always wore shirts because he's always been out of shape. That's that's his gimmick. <laughs> How dare you? He is an athlete of the highest caliber. Genetic jackhammer. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> well, that's it. He did come from a special place. Let's be fair. Yeah. <laughs> But man, this show, yeah, like, I mean, we talked about it. I mean, the invasion, people shit on it a lot. Um, but kind of as I'm going through all these shows, all the pay-per-views and all the TV shows, it's really like, so it started off pretty good, right? You know, keep, keep you know, we know they didn't get Goldberg and Scott Hall, and Nash and all those guys. We know that. But and so looking at it like that, it's like, okay, the invasion starts back in the early summer and it's like this huge mass of people. And it's like, wow. They're, they're, they're suffocating the WWF. How's the WWF going to overcome this? It was really good. And then the invasion pay-per-view happens and the pay-per-view kind of sucked, honestly, but the main event was pretty well built and all that. You had the inaugural brawl and then stone cold turns on the WWF and it's like, okay, that's fine. I guess, I guess the Alliance needs star power. I, I guess I can get behind it. He's been a heel. It's fine. Then SummerSlam happens, and it's like, okay, this is a pretty good show, but I, I, I'm feeling like the like the battle lines are starting to get a little blurred. Like you said, you have like WWF versus WWF, WCW versus WCW. But now we're here, and Unforgiven. We're a few months into it, and man, I don't know if you would agree with this, but as I'm watching it, this is the first time I'm, I'm watching all this through, the Alliance is starting to give me retribution vibes a little bit. Well, it's they're all. They, it was from the start. They were jobbers. They, everybody, everybody was treated like a jobber, mm-hmm. and that's one of the right. kind of positives that you take away from this. Because, like, yeah, a few months down the line, like Scott Steiner comes in and he has a decent-ish run. Like his, his run with Triple H in the main event that was far too much too soon. But his that's stuff with test. Yeah, his stuff with te- oh, yeah, that was that was a sexy episode of Monday Night Raw. That Ooh, that was man. just two two chiseled men covered in oil, just going drinking me all stuff. Fucking Vince McMahon's at back; he's getting oiled up himself. He's like, I'm loving life. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he had a decent, he decent ish run. Like, but like I said earlier, Booker went on to have a good run. RVD went on to have a good run, but. Everybody else, like the bigger players, they come in further down the line. Like Nash comes back a bit mm-hmm. later. Yeah, his quads then derail that comeback. Uh, Hogan comes right. back again. We get the Mr. America stuff. Like it, you got a lot more memorable stuff out of the guys that didn't come back. Uh, now imagine if these guys were the guys we used in Invasion, but they were used in the same way. 
No, it's mm-hmm. just because that's what Vince would have done because Vince is like that. <laughs> it's that simple. Can I tell you? Vince is like, there's a reason why it took Sting like 47,000 years to finally debut for WWE. He was a smart one. Because he knew he was a smart if one. any point he come when, he, when Sting were in his prime, Vince would have made him look like a knobhead. And we in five minutes, he's fighting <laughs> Ricochet on main event. I just want to go back real quick. You said Hulk Hogan and then you said Mr. America. Are you suggesting that they're like related in some in some way? Uh, well, there's a, there's, a, there's a theory backstage and I tend to kind of side with that theory of mm. that time when SmackDown went off the air and Hogan pulled his mask up and revealed it was Hogan. Mm, that sounds it's, like some dirt sheet bullshit to me, David. Well, well, I did hear it from Melsa, so this... <laughs> Mm, you know, you never know these days. <laughs> you never it was know. very clearly, <laughs> but it's hilarious. That that's like your first, that's like your go-to Hogan reference <laughs> in WWE. Yeah, Hogan comes in, Mister America. You know, like everybody knows. <laughs> I was fucking shock- of, shockingly terrible. Speaking of the good segue here, the show kicks off with the national anthem. Yes, and I have so normally many I w- questions for you. <laughs> normally, so I wouldn't bring questions. this up. But for man, this lady—I forget well, her name. I'd, yeah, I didn't. I, I couldn't be asked even going back and finding out. <laughs> but she, I my didn't god, up, I didn't look this, up her Spotify after it. This crackhead straight up singing, warbling the national anthem. Now, my question to you on this is: as an American, um, mm-hmm. right? How does it feel when someone absolutely diabolically dismantles your <laughs> national anthem in such a horrible way? It's like what I like to call the, the Mariah Carey singing, where she's, oh, oh, say. Oh, my God. It's, what's Dude. all that about? There's no need. Right? It's absolutely so, like, as, as an Englishman, our national anthem, God Save the Queen, it's when it's sang, sung like uh, English football matches um, or mm-hmm. soccer matches to your guys and your, your American listeners. Yeah, I play um, FIFA. I play FIFA. I'm aware. <laughs> I'm familiar. Um, <laughs> even though FIFA to begin with over in the UK used to be called FIFA International Club Soccer. That's too much. That's a mouthful. Yeah. A lot, yeah, that, we we, we Americans are too small brand to do that. And numbers. <laughs> we just change it to soccer because we don't want to get confused with the other football because <laughs> we're very yeah, very stupid um, over here yeah but yeah like when the england players and all all the fans in attendance they'd be all singing the national anthem it's such a patriotic moment but i would fucking shudder to think to go to a foot and they go coming out to sing the national anthem is so and so and she does something like that like half a song she goes come on sing along and it pans to audience and half the audience are very confused like they're so, all stood there, uh, hand on the heart and stuff, and yeah, <laughs> loving it. But they're like, "Like fuck, I'm singing along, so I don't know what's coming next." First of all, so under, under normal circumstances, I would agree. When somebody like Mariah Carey, or I think like Fergie, or someone did it at a basketball game at some point, yeah. that was pretty viral. I think I heard the Fergie one, yeah. So this one, I, I started listening to it. And I was like, "Ah, oh, shut up." And she like started to get into it, and I was like, oh, "Okay, I mean, this this is fine, I guess." And by the end of it, man, I was I was ready to run through a wall. <laughs> man, that had me getting my American flag out, doing the whole Hulk Hogan thing, waving it. Oh, just I'm disgusted in, in you. I'm absolutely disgusted <laughs> in you. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't. I, it was. I, I, there's a massive part of me that loves like I've been, I've traveled to America in the past, and there's a big part of me that I like to think I'm probably 15% American just by my look. I do have a lot of time for America, and I have a lot of time for your beliefs and your national anthems and and every and all that jazz. But my God, mm. she fucking murdered that, and you cannot in a good be way, right? In a good way, end. right? This ain't no Rocky Free. 
<laughs> Man, she she put her heart and her soul into it. I'm not that saying mission. she didn't. I, she put her heart into destroying it. We need to we need to agree <laughs> to disagree, or there's gonna be this is gonna be 45 minutes of this episode going. You're wrong. <laughs> she was shit. <laughs> I think we should just change the game plan and just make this uh, a debate and a two hour long debate on this national anthem, yeah. and, and then we'll put a poll up on Twitter and see who is right. I think I'm that's down. a good game plan. I'm down. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and if we need well, to, when we you can, put it that we, way, we can play it back now on the network, and we'll play it live, and we'll just we'll dissect it, and I can prove to you we're wrong numerous times. But that would be horrendous for the listeners. So I think we should move on. <laughs> no, here's what I'm going to do. In post, I'm going to put that audio over you speaking. So <laughs> that's what we're going to do. <laughs> but I, I will say though, another caveat to this is this is like two weeks after 9/11 here in America. Which I don't know, you as an Englishman, I don't know what effect that had on you or oh, a massive thing in your life. Yeah, Mas- I mean, it's, it's a global, massive, it's a global yeah. issue. It was, yeah, it was a massive global issue for for a long period of time. Like I remember the first SmackDown. It was like it was billed as like the first live TV produ- like production with people in attendance since then, and it was such an emotional thing. Like mm-hmm. I always remember, I got him from um, I was at college at the time. And I got him from college and my parents sat, my mum sat watching the TV and I'm seeing these two buildings on fire and she's filling me in and I'm showing replays and I'm like, for eight, my first question was, what are the World Trade Center? I'd never heard of these buildings. Um, mm-hmm. And then the more I found out about it, the more you knew. And yeah, it was, it was shocking. Like, I always remember the papers the next day, some of the most horrendous images that you could ever see. Right. Like, yeah, I think was, England was... and America have always, always had that connection. Especially like from a... A political standpoint and we're not getting gonna get into that jazz uh but they've always had that connection uh so like your news has always been reported over here and i imagine it's vice versa um and mm-hmm. it was big big news big news and yeah it was a horrible horrible time and yeah i can see it. i can understand why in such a, a mediocre b pay-per-view in a mediocre invasion storyline they decided to have the oof america because, yeah, they probably did need it. And if I was in the crowd, I probably mm-hmm. would have been arguing it some as well. But I'm watching this many, many years later, and I'm still standing by my point that she was terrible. Man. <laughs> I thought you'd be like, you know, when you put it that way, you bring 9-11 into the discussion. Now, now that you bring it up, now it all makes sense. But no, you're just you're just going to stay ignorant. No, That's fine. That's fine. I, we'll I, try I, to move on. I just say it as it is, mate. That's how it is. So I'm trying is. to move on to Spike Dudley, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> I had no, numerous, yeah, so. con- this opening match, I had numerous concerns. You had so many guys that should have been on the other side. It was just one of them. This this fatal four-way fatal four for the tag titles summed up the invasion angle in one fucking tag match. Absolutely, yeah. So it is a four-way elimination tag match for the tag team titles. You have the Dudley boys, who are part of the alliance, but they're the WWF tag team champions and they're facing the Hardy boys, the team of hurricane and Lance storm versus the team of big show and spike Dudley. Now you hear those names and you're like, man, those, that sounds like a kind of a random assortment of lads, but maybe if you watch the Rawls and SmackDowns leading up to it, maybe it'll all make sense in context. And I can tell you that. No, it still does not make sense. (laughs) Very, very haphazard like man it's sad though because like when people ask me what my favorite match is i always say the tlc match at wrestlemania 17 because that was you know when i was really getting into wrestling and i was a huge hardy boys mark still am and i just love that match and i love that trio of teams 
and and a lot of other teams too, like TNA and X Factor and stuff like that. It felt like the tag team division was like red hot at the beginning of the year, but it, it just fell off a cliff to me. I feel like. Oh, absolutely! I like it's like. I'm with you as a Hardy Boys mark. Growing up as a kid, like, I thought Jeff Hardy was the most fantastic thing I'd ever seen. Especially when, like, mm-hmm. Rumble 2000, when he's throwing himself off cars and that and putting uh, Dudley Boys through tables. And oh, it was brilliant. But this for me mm-hmm. was like such a weird setup. Like, if you look at, take the Hardy Boys, you had Matt Hardy, who looked like 99 Matt Hardy, but piss wet through and, and all this. All right. But then you had, <laughs> you had Jeff Hardy, who was in just a, a, a tank top thing that he pulled straight off and in a baseball cap to begin with. It just looked like a very weird crossbreed Hardy Boys, like they'd been forcibly mm-hmm. put together when they were trying to do different things. It was. I found that very strange. I found Spike Dudley should be on the Alliance's team. That's that's 100%. Big Show, for mm-hmm. me, this is one that's never really brought up, I, I don't feel anyway. Big Show, for me, should have got joined the Alliance and reverted back to being the Giant. I agree. I would have liked that. I would have loved that, I actually. thought that would have been brilliant. I'm not Man, the Big Show, no, point, I'm the Giant. Big Show was like super undercard. Yeah, this, yeah, but this could have been a, a, a sort of rejuvenation for the Big Show. This could have been it that have next been. step because like, he goes down a horrible slippery slope like, over the next couple of years to the point like he gets binned from the No Mercy video game and, and replaced by Stephen Richards because he's out of shape and gets sent back to development. <laughs> um, Big Show has a terrible few years. It's it's not to, like if you go go a bit further down the line and go to ECW comeback. Big Show at that time was in terrible shape. But that was probably so my favorite Big Show. So the, oh, it was a it was a mean bastard. Let's be right there. Like mm-hmm. in two thousand like, in two thousand and four when he comes back and gets shot by Kurt Angle and gets his head shaved. <laughs> it's right. a weird <laughs> a weird time. Uh, and then. Um, yeah, he was a meme, like a big mean bastard then, but I feel like this, if they would have put him in the alliance, made him the giant, and have him as been one of the focal points. Because remember that, he won the WCW title on his debut match as the giant. They had a lot mm-hmm. of history they could have they could have fell back on. But nope, they had him team with people like Billy Gunn and Albert, and now with Spike Dudley. And then you've got Lance I'm sorry. Storm. Did you did you not like the Shoguns? Uh, absolutely, I adored the Shoguns. I'm not going to lie. Anything, <laughs> I, I, I'm a Billy Gun Mark. I'm I'm the biggest Billy Gun Mark you'll probably ever come across, apart from that weird guy on Twitter. Who, I don't know if you follow uh-huh. him. He's like I can't even remember what his his Twitter handle is, but he's like obsessed with Billy Gun and all he posts about is Billy Gun. And I can't. I, what a weird I, obsession I, to have. In I, I can't. Ke- I can't keep up that much love for Billy Gun. <laughs> I've got a lot of time for Mister Ass, of, which is weird because growing up as a kid, I used to pop when he pulled his pants down and showed me his thong. Uh, very weird, but wrestling was How weird did that back then. Song go again. Uh, I'm an ass man. Did, did. I know the lot. Like, don't let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna see how long you would sing it before. Oh, I'll do it all. You <laughs> but did you? So you didn't like the Big Show and Spike Dudley team? No, I, I didn't see the point. I just felt like it were two well, people put together to make a triple threat. Into the, I don't understand why you couldn't have just gone twenty minutes Dudley's versus Hardy's for WWF titles, right? And have yeah, Spike and have Spike and Hurricane do something else. Put put but Hurricane like, and Spike within into the Jericho uh, RVD and make it fail four ways or something. But look, but look at look how big Big Show is and how small Spike is. Well, Isn't that's that the reason. There was the two spots that they, they were putting this match for. There was the one spot where Big Show carries Spike on his shoulders and he dives over, and that does look impressive because you are coming mm-hmm. from a long way down to the ring floor. And there was the other spot where Spike died out and Big Show got giddy. He got, I'm going to go up to the top, and he's done it a couple of times in his career. Yeah. I'd love one day for him to actually do it. It'd be amazing to see if all <laughs> them fuckers could catch him. 
Um, but yeah, they were in that match for them spots alone. That's the and because of the Dudleys and the and the family feud, which they always love to bring up every couple of years. Yeah, that's been going on for goddamn forever at this point. Oh but yeah, yeah. This match here, like like you said, that, that there was like a spot in the match where everybody was doing dives to the outside, and like you said, the Big Show teased like he always does, but then he gets cut off by Bubba Ray Dudley. But otherwise, the match it just felt flat to me like it was do you know that exactly my exactly my my notes right exactly my notes it felt flat mm -hmm. because the the excitement and the fun was kind of there when hurricane lance and big show and spike was in it um mm -hmm. and because you got like at, at the start hurricane was shit scared of spike and i'm not fighting spike like you, you're supposed to be this superhero and by the way may i add i am not familiar with the hurricane's theme music they came out to stand back there's a hurricane coming through i was all down for it, and then he went D -d 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 what the fuck's this that absolutely caught me off guard too because like yeah. you i only knew dune exactly that's the only one i know i was like what on earth is this the same with it was, it was we'll, a we'll weird... touch on it a bit later the same with stone cold's theme i'm not having it that has never been his theme that was not that are they not paying disturbed for network that's what's happening no so i've been through this before with other people that was his theme song no the never never yes, not in a minute 100 yes. i'm telling you now i am 100 i'll fight you <laughs> right? i will go and it find will... i'll go and buy i'll go and buy the rip uh, the, the rip i'll go and buy the I'm... vhs <laughs> that was go not his the theme at the time you're gonna go to his your local was the, cd the badass heel stone cold theme that was not his theme no, no i'll tell you this if i'm wrong then I, well i'm gonna have to go and angry send because i am not wrong so he had the Disturbed theme up until Invasion when he turned on the WWF. And then the next night, he debuted a new theme, which is like kind of similar to his original theme, but a little bit different. And then he changed to this one, which I believe is called Venom. It's on one of the albums. So if it's on oh. the album, it was a real theme. So right. and I agree. I'm still not going to agree. <laughs> so my logic, because I agree with you that Disturbed, that the Disturbed song was his best theme of all time. Oh, it was but brilliant. I think, it, was, it was exactly what he needed. Everybody loved it, which is the idea to change it is because he's a heel. And, yeah. you know, and, 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 and find you. you can't boo that, right? So they got to change it to something a little bit more subdued and a little less catchy. I think if, if, if I had to guess, I would guess that that was their logic. I'd, yeah, I'd probably say so. Like, like if you look at, look at, go back and like, well, you have yourself, you've gone back and watched the Invasion pay-per-views. Um, Austin gets pops. Like they, WWF have tried their hardest hundreds of times to get Austin, to mm -hmm. people to boo Austin in various scenarios. Um, and it's never worked because Austin's not people's number one. And he has been for like, the, especially the, the generation of their target audience who they've tried to get to boo Austin. They grew up mm -hmm. with Austin being the biggest badass and their number one hero out of all the wrestling. It was never going to happen. Man, they beat the shit out of JR in his hometown in front of his family, and the crowd loved it. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> people love Austin. Man, this is like the beginning of the what thing, which you hear it nowadays. You, people get annoyed with it when fans do it, and I do too. But God damn it, it was hilarious in the beginning. I think with the the what the what for me was one of them where um, in certain scenarios in certain situations it was absolutely outstanding it was so funny but then I can kind of agree what people say when it did get a bit overused it was one of them where Vince liked it mm -hmm. so Vince wanted it all the time as per usual as that's per the, that's how he works driving thing driving things into the ground and then kicking them when they're dead that's how, how the same goes probably not um, that's I like how we're 
We're talking about Stone Cold because we don't want to talk about this shitty tag match in the beginning. But <laughs> let's just, just run for, let's just run through the finishes. Yeah, I was about to get yeah because so I guess you know the, the, the random teams get eliminated first, and then we're down to just the Dudleys and the Hardys, which is what it should have just been from the beginning. But I believe it's Survivor Series that's what it kind of culminates to. So maybe they're kind of building to it. Who knows? Um, but yeah, the Dudleys end up winning. Uh, Bubba. With the Bubba Bomb, you normally don't see that as a finish during this I think era. It, but it's one of them. Like when I was watching it, I was like, "I wonder why you stopped using that after a while." Because I think that hurts everybody involved. <laughs> I think he's he's still wrestling. I feel like Bubba is. Oh, I feel like he still uses. I it. would not want to take that move. That, no, that's yeah, he's a nasty not be like, for much longer. Yeah, that's the thing. You, you don't want to be if you're you're delivering that over and over again. <laughs> and let's be right it's not really a finisher is it it's not a knockout move i would be knocked out i think no i think you'd be be, yeah you'd just be laid there going ah me bum ah me ass right but you would be knocked out i think you'd still have it in you i still think there'd be there'd be that much going through your asshole you'd have it in you to kick out you're not knocked out it's not like a stunner it's not like you know what i mean that's my biggest gripe but that's a different topic for a different time that's my biggest gripe with finishers. You've got to knock somebody know. out for them to finish them off. You, what, you're, you're trying to tell me that you can't knock somebody out through their asshole? Uh, well, that's another story for another time. Isn't it? <laughs> that's a completely different podcast. <laughs> um, but the Dudleys end up winning and they retain their WWF tag team titles. And then don't worry, everybody. We get something much better next. Raven versus Perry Saturn. So, Moppy, thoughts? Um, well, yeah. This, do you know, for me, growing up as a kid, <laughs> I was incredibly invested in Perry Saturn, Terry Runnels, and Moppy. Because, as I mentioned earlier, about um, our WWE getting, or WWF, sorry, getting channel rights for Channel 4, vice versa, um, we got Sunday Night Heat. Uh, it was a weird mm-hmm. Sunday Night Heat because it got overdubbed. Um, so you did, we didn't get the commentary that you guys got in the States. Uh, we got English, English terms and English phrases and, uh, uh. It, was, it was, it was so cringeworthy, but the, uh, the, the Raven, Saturn, Terry, Mo- uh, Moppy feud was like one of the biggest storylines running through heat at the time. So I, I was <laughs> so, in, I was so invested, honestly, like what, what you, what they showed you on Raw was kind of on the build up to the the this kind of this match. Like there was a lot of shit that went on on Sunday Night Heat with Terry. Like you saw the love, the, you saw the love story happen of Perry Saturn slowly moving away from Terry Reynolds and falling deep, dark in love with a fucking mop with a face on it. Okay, so it wasn't a shitty storyline. There was just very important plot. Um- Parts that oh, was it was it was fucking brilliant for a sixteen-year-old. It was, it was because it had just <laughs> the narrative the, is amazing. It had all the bollocks that you wanted in what well, what I want in my wrestling. Like I can admire a sixty-minute Iron Man match between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels on Mania. I can admire that because that is. Oh, I can admire um, at, at Lesnar versus Kurt Angle sixty-minute Iron match from SmackDown. But I also mm-hmm. want out of my wrestling the utter stupidness. That Vince Russell, God bless him, he provided me back in the late nineties. And his mm-hmm. uh, people dick on Vince Russell, but Vince Russell made us all love wrestling. If you were my age, because that's why we fell in right. love with the bollocks. For every Stone Cold we had, we had a porn star. <laughs> do, do you know I mean? For every, yeah. for every, for every rock, we had vampires in the brood that rose out of flames. There's a lot of peaks, you know and lots I mean? of peaks, and a lot of valleys. 
That's it. <laughs> a, a, a lot of valleys. <laughs> but yes, the bollocks, the bollocks were a plenty in this match, man. Raven, Saturn, the match was kind of like, because like we kind of touched on it earlier, you know, it's pretty much centered around Moppy and how uh, Raven on, a, I think it was like a SmackDown, he basically attached Moppy to a, a wooden uh, tree trunk of some sort, plank, and put it in a wood chipper. And first of all, if you go back and watch the segment back, it takes hilariously long for the mop to actually go into the wood oh, chipper yeah. for whatever the reason. The wood chipper does not want to eat that wood. <laughs> didn't want it. Moppy was fighting it off. <laughs> took like a goddamn minute, like 60 seconds for this mop to get chewed up. But it eventually did. And that dastardly raven uh killed moppy and now we have this match uh so perry saturn can avenge uh the life of the mop sounds made up but that's what it is that's what it is so we have this match and it's kind of a short match um kind of cold too i don't think the crowd in particular in uh pittsburgh was caring that much about moppy um, no they're, they're, not invest- was- they're not invested in a mop I could tell you this. It could be Raven's skirt that was making them very confused. <laughs> I think this is where he debuted that look, which is very interesting. I didn't think he did that till after WWF. Um, but yeah, man, it's like it is. It's it's a funny storyline, especially in hindsight. But like when you're watching this on pay per view, it's like, okay, are we supposed to sympathize because of this mop? That that's like, it. Like, that's what they want. Yeah. They want like like the commentators were they were trying their best to do everything that especially JR to take the piss out of Perry Saturn. It was like, mm-hmm. um, I can't believe the motivation that a mop would bring a man. And it's like Perry Saturn is, is a, a portion of fries away from a happy meal. And he's proper yeah. dicking out his dick and he's like, Have you seen Perry Saturn? He's fucking stupid. <laughs> there's no <laughs> there's no fans, Perry Saturn. Like Terry Runnels, what's Terry Runnels thinking here? It's like they're fighting. Cold in there. They're they're fighting over a mop going through a wood chipper, as you said. They're not fighting over the love of Terry Runnels. Terry Mm -mm. Perry Saturn don't want none of Mrs. X Goldust. Terry Runnels just standing there with her turgid nipples. She's got you know back in the day. I probably noticed. But I know it's a lot more now. She has got mahoosive fake titties. Right. That's the joy. <laughs> there's, having, there's having implants and there's having Terry Runnels's. Jesus Christ. Like, there's nipples, there's you, like different area codes. You could hang your clothes off them nipples. <laughs> That's one of the title of this episode. You can hang <laughs> your clothes off those nipples. <laughs> Um, what did you make to um, what did you make to when uh, we got the Frankensteiner attempt and then Perry Saturn nearly killed himself by trying to deliver a clothesline? I mean, what's just another concussion on top of five hundred more? Raven, sorry, with the clothesline. It was a it was one of them. It was a sloppy match. It wasn't a great match, but like you said, yeah. it wasn't a pay per view worthy match. Like even the finish. Like uh, it was the uh, Perry Saturn's twisting like fisherman. It's, it's a nice move. No reaction from the crowd. The the moss-covered, three-handled family, family cadenza. That's the one. Yeah, or cadenza, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely no no reaction from the crowd. The crowd were just, like, they weren't even happy that the match was over. They were just like, it's like they were bored stiff. They're all getting popcorn in this match, I think. They should have been were, a hardcore too, match. They were too burnt out from seeing so much Spike Dudley and Hurricane in Lance Storm. I think Storm that's, that's what match. it was. Big Show jumping off the top rope. They're still shocked from that, aren't they? The Big Show going Man. for it. They're, st- they're still st- they're just in a gaze. They can't they can't <laughs> believe what they're witnessing. 
can never recover. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this match, I'll, I I will never recover from watching this match because, like you said, pretty sloppy. And it just, I, I feel like neither of these guys are, pr- are invested in what they're doing at this point. No. That kind of translated through the match. Because yeah, if they don't care, the fans aren't going to care. Um, but that brings us to something a little bit better. Edge versus Christian. Man, so this is my first time kind of watching their uh, their breakup and how they kind of handled it. And it, I've always heard it got it's kind of gotten a bad rap because it kind of, for, well, for a bunch of reasons. One, I, it's smack dab in the middle of the invasion. And in a time where the, the invasion is just the main focal point, I feel like it, it felt the whole Edge and Christian thing to WWF guys. It felt kind of out of place, even though Christian, I believe, ended up becoming a part of the alliance at some point, didn't he? Yeah, um, but yeah, I totally agree. It, it was it was needed. Like, like every tag team, it's all about mm-hmm. a bit of dissension towards the end. And if they have a good run, a long run, a short run, it's always needed to have a good breakup. So it was always a matter of time. But I think to, to mm-hmm. place it, bang slap, like you said, in the middle of the invasion angle, I just think it was the wrong call. Like well, that, that, This could have been the big tag team for WWF to fight against the, the, the alliance. And yeah, I, yeah I, I just didn't need it. There was no new reason. Well, there was a reason in Vince's mind because all the WCW guys that he'd signed were fucking douchebags. So I need some of my decent mid-card guys to now be part of the alliance to mm-hmm. make it interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I, th- I feel that Christian was chosen as one of them because he is a douchebag heel. He's, Christian's brilliant. Like his promo before, he, uh, as the match, before the match started, he is a dickhead heel. He's, he plays the role to perfection. But, Perfect, um, yeah. But- like, like with the um, with the lead up to this, with the with the breakup, like I think if you go back to when Edge won at King of the Ring, even at, at, as the final moments of him winning the uh, King of the Ring trophy, uh, which I always found strange, it was a massive, big, uh, was it like a Stanley Cup uh, rip off, wasn't it, of the right. trophy? Yeah, yeah terrible. Yeah. He's Canadian, you know. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, but, you, <laughs> but you saw, like, as the pay per view, um, as, as that segment finished, you saw Christian staring at the trophy, and there were slowly little little droplets there. And obviously, over time, it turned that Christian was more obsessed with being. Um, I think that was it. The grandma, I believe, she had a lot to play in it. Grandma it, Edna, yes, she was a crucial the one. part of the story. That's line. the bitch. Yep. That's the bitch. She had a big part to play in this. <laughs> How dare you? Grandma she had Edna a big a part saint. to play in this. If she would have just talked to Christian and not just put the phone down, they might have never split, and we might have never got this joint invasion. It's her fault. Wow, that's a great point. If if she if Grandma Edna would just talk to Christian, Stone Cold would not have turned on the WWF. Uh, Goldberg would have debuted, and we all would have been in happy days in 2021, I think. And Taz would have not been to look like fucking Gilberg. Oh, man. Well, man, if we start talking about Taz, this, this podcast can be five hours long. God, I don't know who he pissed off, but man, he, Gilbert would be is, is like an understatement because Gilbert was a champion. He was a light heavyweight so was champion, Taz. I think, at some Taz point. Was, Taz was the ECW champion when Triple H well, shit NW. all over him. Shit That's all right. over him for 15 minutes. Fair point. Fair Man, that seems like a fever dream. Taz is ECW <laughs> champion in WWF. Christ, but uh, yeah, so we have Edge and Christian here, which was uh, one of the better matches on the show, in my opinion. I, oh, mean, I, I love match- how it had a proper blood feud to start. Like Edge is like, for one, Rob Zombie theme tune. I'm, I'm still glad that WB are still playing him the royalties and still having that because <laughs> that, that is the best Edge theme tune of all the Edge. And he's had some cracking ba- bangers of theme tunes. But I love mm-hmm. the, just the proper blood feud where he comes out, there's no hype, he drops the belt and he just slowly... Just that just was comes to eyes. I loved brilliant. brilliant. I love that part because Christian comes out first of all to 
Christian. Which again, sorry, this is probably Christians. This and um, if you close your eyes, you let that one. Um, I'm not a great mm-hmm. singer, by the way. Um, them two, I think they're <laughs> on par with Christian's best themes. But this, yeah, this one's brilliant. Christian, and it just it means so much. At last, I'm on your own, dude. Oh, fucking yeah. It's so perfectly douchey, and it yeah, fits I'm his so character. Invested, it's so invested in douche by Christian. It fits his his furry glasses and his mesh shirt for no reason. It, it all blends together to make a perfect character, I think. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but so Christian comes out, and then Edge comes out, and uh, you brought up him dropping the belt because he comes out with the Intercontinental title around his waist. He's standing up on the stage. And he takes it off, he looks at it, and he puts it down. Because that's not what this match is about. Even though it is a title match, in Edge's mind, it's more about revenge and getting back at his brother. And uh, yeah, yeah. We're, still, we're still brothers <laughs> at this point. Yeah, You couldn't see my air quotes, but... Yeah. <laughs> they're, still, they're still family right now. They're both blonde and Canadian. They're brothers. Absolutely. Probably, right? <laughs> But uh, yeah, awesome match. Obviously, these guys have great chemistry after teaming for so many years, um, and it translated into a good uh, match against each other too. Uh, both guys, I think, were bleeding at some point in this match. There was like almost every yeah, match. I there felt was like a, somebody was a got lot color of at some point. Yeah, there was a um, there, there was as the night went on, a lot of people seemed to have got bust open the hard way. Everybody had cut lips. Yeah, there was like there was a few uh, there was a few shot uh, stiff shots getting thrown tonight. I think. Man, they were getting after. I mean, the guys worked hard, I guess, if nothing else, on this show. But because uh, it's the invasion angle, damn it, we've got to put it over. And they're invading. <laughs> God damn it! Look at the alliance. <laughs> your your wow. brothers. There's blood. Yo, you share blood, so <laughs> have have blood in the match. Uh. That's it. <laughs> but, but but we don't want to bleed him. We want him to bust each other open because it's a blood feud. It's a blood brother. I'm surprised they didn't save this for like a bad blood. <laughs> <laughs> then I want you to take the chair, Christian, and don't hit him in the back. Stab him right in the taint with it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> do you know the thing is, legitimately though, that would sting. Uh, let's not like, like let's ignore yeah. let's ignore let's ignore the mean chair shots yeah that are a lot more aggressive to your body and a lot more damage to your body that they do compared to just like eating your bollocks with, with like a chair but if that's what puts you down for freedom fair enough but it's it's exactly. gonna hurt i'm not lying yeah that it's gonna hurt but yeah it was it was it, i yeah. agree with you it was a fun match it was a fun match like there was a lot of good spots i love the um the christian power slam uh, which was very ron simmons-esque do you know the really snap right. and slam him over? That was a great spot. Yeah. But it's the sort of chemistry you're going to get with. And this was one of the first match, if not the first match tonight, that the fans were truly behind. They were truly invested. I was there, yeah. And that always adds to a match. If the fans aren't bothered, a good match looks shit. If the if the fans right. are bothered, the worst match looks looks half decent. I agree, because yeah, I was watching those first two matches, and I was like, man, is this crowd just going to be dead the whole night? But then they were, like you said, they were up for this one, so it's obviously a representation of the talent in the ring, not necessarily Absolutely. the crowd. And uh, yeah, really good match, and the, the finish comes where Christian low blows Edge with a chair. And you hear you just hear that, and you're like, logistically, like, how the fuck did that happen? Well, he basically like tilted it up straight, and kind of like jammed it right into his asshole taint area. And then, uh, <laughs> it's a great shot to use the technical term. So, and that's what gets him to win. So, Christian wins the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, 
in a dastardly heel fashion. The dirty, so. the dirty bastard. I, I did enjoy the, I did enjoy the build up to the finish though, where uh, when Christian obviously goes out, gets the two chairs, it, the referee shits himself as Trey Christian goes to hit him, and then Edge right. with a lovely sweep that uh, reversed from Edge looked like he were going to get the one man concerto, a lovely sweep onto Christian. Which then obviously got the mm-hmm. referee distracted. He threw the chair out. Christian, it's the nut shot. And yeah, that dirty bastard Christian is Intercontinental Champion representing the Alliance. We've got one of theirs. Man, one of their like 20 different titles they got floating around. Well, tonight, <laughs> as, as the commentary team, they tell you over and over and over again, like I think it's um, during the Paris out of during the last match, they say after the next match and every match going on, it'll be a title match because there's seven titles defended tonight. And it's like, that's before the European title because that's not contested because the European champion was Hurricane. Mm-hmm. Oh, was and it Hurricane? Have, uh... I feel like it was Hurricane. Um, yeah, yeah, Hurricane. So- yeah, and, and like, is it the hardcore champion? Is that somebody as well at this is, time? Is uh, Rob Van Dam? Rob, yeah, there you go. The, the yeah, later I mean, matches uh, for the hardcore title. Oh, oh, yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. Of course it is. It um, didn't feel yes. like it because it was a good match, so you don't associate hardcore title with it. Well, we'll we'll but get we'll onto get to that. It. We'll get to that in a bit. That certainly was not a hardcore title match. Uh, but yeah, it just it's seven titles on the line. It's like wow. And then they have the light heavyweight title and the cruiserweight title, which X Pac is holding of course, both of those. Yeah, at the X. Are you dealing with the X Factor? Oh man, greatest theme! <laughs> I of all got time. everything well, that I ever wanted, and I'm <laughs> gonna get that back, yo. Continue oh. on. We no, got, we got no, time. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> man, I don't even have to tell I know you. you I hate the X Factor because you ain't gonna look at me like that. And said you ain't gonna look at me like that. Purple. I say we just stop the show there. I don't think we, we can get better than that. <laughs> Actually, William, if you if you uh, to anyone that is ever interested as well, if you go back and listen to our review of Royal Rumble two thousand and. Uh, for uh, myself and my co-host Michael he brings his guitar and we perform all 30 entrances of the superstars in the 30 man <laughs> rumble match it was that the most bollocks thing ever a lot of beer were consumed during that 20, 20 minutes asked- to s- 7 hours it took to record all them 30 second <laughs> clips it goes without saying you, you gotta be at least a little bit inebriated to have that Mate, idea in your head that's it that's it you gotta go balls to the wall but speaking of balls to the wall, we have the match that I was probably looking forward to most Fuck on the show. Chronic no. versus Undertaker and Kane. You Woo, can just baby. You can just imagine the, the scene in WCW Creative in 2000. Vince Russo sat there with maybe Eric Bischoff, Ed Ferrara, a few other people. He's like, bro, weed, bro. The youth of today, bro, they smoke weed, bro. So, do you know, we've got them two guys, bro. We've got Crush. We've got Adam Bomb, bro. What about Chronic? Chronic's a strain of weed, bro. It's like, fuck off, Russo. For everything that I love about you, you've named a tag team after cannabis. And, like, if you look at their gear, it's barbed wire, but them barbed wire, them barbs are shaped a little bit like cannabis leaves. Are they? Wow, I did not notice that. I was too busy looking at their bad tans. <laughs> oh, they're bad. Do you know, go, going back to what I said earlier about the big show, how he should have reverted back to the giant, these two should have come in and reverted back to crushing Adam Bomb. They would have been more over in my eyes than fucking chronic. 
Like, don't get me wrong. I want to see Kona crush Taken and Kane, they try their best, but fucking hell, chronic, man. Jesus. Man, and then we've got so... Stevie Richards, all black everything. He, Stevie Richards looked great here. What are you talking about? Well, at least, at least this match, let's be right, at least this match, uh, to give him some fair dues, at least it had a bit of storyline continuity. It was because of RTC and all that jazz, but fucking chronic. So what is... So I'm not familiar with Chronic because I, I, from what I understand, they kind of came together in the later half of WCW. Because they, 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 is- they, forgot, they were two big guys. They were former. I, I know Brian Clark, who was uh, Crush. I know he was Adam former. Bob. And he was, yeah, he was for, oh, is it Brian Adams that was Crush? Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, Crush was former NWO B team. It's like all the jobbers. When NWO become like a, a right. roster, like a roster, not just a group. Um, they were like NWB team. I feel like obviously Adam Bomb at the time was in WCW. Various, he had various gimmicks. At one point, he was a ripoff of a Mortal Kombat character. Um, but I don't actually recall them. Get, even though I did watch it to an extent back in like the, the early 2000s, late 2000s sort of. Um, I don't quite remember how they got together. I think it literally was just, you're big, you're big. You're not doing anything. You're now a tag team and <laughs> you're named after So where does, where does Chronic come in though? Like the name? How the hell does that relate to those guys? Because it sounds like weed. And that's Vince oh, yeah, Russell. That's pretty cool. That that's literally, cool, that's it. That's how the name come about. <laughs> it's because it's weed. Because it's a name, because how it sounds like weed. Vince Russell was a weird, weird, weird man in, in 2000. Like sticking Judy Bagwell on a forklift in, in a match, do you know what I mean? And, and shit like right. that. Like he's booking himself to be world champion and stuff. Like Vince Russell was off his nut. I've got all fair fucks to have always said, if someone put me in charge of a wrestling promotion that had a lot of money so we could do whatever we wanted, oh man, you'd mm-hmm. be seeing some random ass matches. <laughs> Telling you now. Vince Russo, literally, like at the time, like when I was eight years old, and if, if I was able to run the company, that's the kind of shit I would do. He's just living little, the dream. It was living the dream. Living the dream. Living the dream. Viagra on a pole. There, there you go. Um, when it was the, um, was it the, the, I can't remember the exact name of the match, but it was the four boxers that were hung on poles. Uh, one of them contained the world title and it accidentally got knocked and world title fell off. So Booker T had to then climb out of the ring and retrieve the world title, Can go back you, in the ring to be declared as the champion. I, I had Maria, no idea. I, I had no idea WCW did that because I know TNA did that and they called it Feaster Fired. Are you familiar with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. W- Are you familiar w- with TNA? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, so I, yeah. W- WCW did it with Booker T versus Jeff Jarrett, I believe it was. I think it was Slambery two thousand. I may be wrong on the pay per view, but yeah, it was four boxes. One of them contained the world title. One of them, I think it was like Booker got knocked into it or something. The title just fell out, and it was like they wrestled. They carried on wrestling the match for ages, <laughs> and then one of them went out <laughs> to retrieve the title. It was like, oh, Vince. Well, speaking of disasters and speaking of four boxes, we have Brian Adams and Brian Clark versus Undertaker and Kane. Man, this is like so. Taker and Kane, it's like like you said, they did the best they could. Personally, Undertaker wasn't like he had a cool character, but his matches weren't known to be like great at this point in his career for whatever reason. Um, Kane was like this is like peak Kane for me, honestly. Yeah, definitely, hundred um, percent. Then you you have. Adams and Clark on the other side. Neither guy wants to sell for anything. No. But particularly Brian Adams. He's moving around like great Kali in there. I don't know if like his tights are too tight or if he's injured or something. But I think he's like, just done. Like, I think he's just done. 
I think that's what it is. Like yeah. if you go if you go back to his peak for me, um, his peak when he was Crush, or even with Adam Bomb, look at them both. Like for me, peak mm-hmm. WWE for them, WWF was ninety three, ninety four. We're a long right. time away from that. It's a long time removed. Like Crush and Adam Bomb were were pivotal as well. More Crush than Adam Bomb. Adam Bomb had a good gimmick. He used to come out with foam darts and throw them into audience and that. Like Adam Bomb, Adam Bomb. Do you get it? Do you know what I mean? That that was no, the gimmick. I don't. <laughs> but with Crush, Crush had various things. Like he had the feud with Doink, he had the feud with Savage. Um, he joined Fuji and he became the Japanese sympathizer. And then he became the in the nation. And then he went on to look at all us with, with Biker Gang. So I mean, he had various things that he did. But even at Biker Gang, and you look at that, and that's 97. Mm-hmm. Right, 97, 98. He was looking a bit over the shine. The best days are behind your crush, lad. You know what I mean? Can I tell nice part of chronic. Can I tell you something? So, when they debuted on SmackDown, they basically both came in. I think uh, Brian Adams kicked over Undertaker's bike and they destroyed Taker in the ring because Kane was injured at the time. They hit him with a double choke slam that looked really good. And then Brian Adams. I think I even tweeted this. I, I made a gif of it. He like leaps from the inside of the ring all the way outside to the floor. It's like this dude has so much athleticism still, I feel like, when he wants to. And the build up to this match, I think he even touched on it earlier, was pretty good, especially hearkening back to, you know, this is all kind of sourced from Undertaker was one of the guys that broke up right to center. That's who Steven Richards kind of blames it on. So there's a good story to it. Chronic, I mean, say what you want. They both look like a million bucks here. But man, for some reason, this just didn't click at all. And it's weird because Taker's friends with both these guys, I think, isn't he? Yeah, I, well, I think it's, it's that, isn't it? It just it didn't click. Was it? Is it because uh, Clark and Adams, they didn't want to do the job and they knew that there was no way going into this? And it's even like Taker. Like, I think Kane, for me, was the star of this match. Uh, because like yeah. you said a bit ago, um, Kane, this is Pete Kane. Like Kane's a beast during this time. There's nothing he can't do wrong. Um, Taker, I'm still, I'm, it's still to this day, American badass Taker for me. It just felt like Taker was just going through the motions a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like Agreed. Taker didn't fully invest into this match and into this feud. And Who would? It's fucking chronic. Yeah. It's <laughs> and like, I think that, that's the exactly. thing. Any other team they could have gone with, why not like push Palumbo and O'Hare and go with them being the, the with uh, Stevie Richards as their manager and have that instead mm-hmm. of fucking chronic. Yeah, what a terrible Yeah, that's match. a really good. Yeah, because Palumbo and, and O'Hare match. aren't doing anything at this point because they had a match at the previous pay-per-view, I think, um, and they were like competing for the titles and all that and then they kind of just fell off and I guess they were essentially replaced with these old chronic. relics. But, uh, <laughs> that's it. Because they've uh, got, because they're beef, because they are big fellas. You can't join. There's a lot of beef going on in that ring. Um, but that's They're what Vince, that's that's Vince's uh, that's Vince's thing, isn't it? And it's always going to be till the day he dies. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I guess. What else can you say about this match? Really, I mean, the crowd was actually kind of hot at, at a, a lot of points in this match. I think, um, but particularly like towards the end, man, you could tell Undertaker was pissed off. He was vis- visibly like just looking at his face. He was completely angry at how this match turned out. And I think even like when he hits his choke slam, he's like, "God damn it!" or something like that. Yeah, um, and I think it was one of them as well. It was just built towards the end. It was built towards Richards getting his his final beatdown mm-hmm. from Taker because I I don't feel like this is going to go on to what what's next is it uh, Survivor Series next? There's no mercy after this. Oh I, no mercy! Honestly, oh bloody hell! Yeah, fucking hell! Another B show. I don't remember one goddamn thing from that paper. No, I don't know. I I can't tell you. I do neither. 
Apart from yeah. does Angle not does, does Angle not lose the title back to Austin? I believe he gets it stripped from him like ah, okay. very soon after this pay per view, like either the Raw after or the SmackDown after. I think because we'll get to it, we'll get to it. But it's basically a schmoz <laughs> finish. Oh, okay, um, all right. But yeah, Taker and Kane win here, but who cares, really? They're the yeah, WCW yeah. tag champions for some reason. Nobody knows. I don't even know if they know at this point, but... That's the thing. It it's, you've it got is. all these titles, and they have no relevance. They're just sharing them amongst themselves. It's too because, many. Uh, yeah, there's far too many, and they've got no meaning. There's no importance. There's not a reason. Who gives a fuck that Taker and Kane are WCW champions? Who gives a fuck that Alliance of Dudley Boys are WWF tag team champions? There's no reason to mm-hmm. care. Yeah, and the whole, you know, Alliance versus WWF thing's getting so, like, convoluted, and the lines are getting blurred. People are flipping back and forth, and so you don't even have really that to rest on at this point. So it really is just a bunch of shit on top of shit. Absolutely. Totally agree. But at least we get a good segment after this. Ah, mate. We have Stephanie McMahon backstage here. So I I forget, you know, what exactly she said. But uh, the gist of it is that uh, she's trying to fuck RVD. And uh, because Triple H is injured, so he's probably not watching, right? It's all good. Um, And then so she's like looking for RVD. And I think she runs into Coach who tells her that RVD, he's uh, he's in the locker room number five. So Stephanie goes and walks over to locker room number five, which just so happens to be like two steps away. And uh, so she's standing out. She knocks on the door. Nobody answers. Uh, so she just stands outside the door and starts talking to RVD. And uh, she's like, man, do you have any lines that she said? Cause she's basically alluding to like, if you if you beat Chris Jericho, I'm going to fucking suck your dick. Or <laughs> That's basically what she was saying. <laughs> it was basically it. Do you know what got me more than anything? It's like she knocked and she went, Rob, are you in there? Um, uh, silence and then she proceeded to carry on and deliver a full on speech <laughs> to Rob Van Dam without even checking if he was fucking in there or not he's so, very she, clearly uh, not in there she, she didn't even try the door she just knocked him at Rob uh, anyway <laughs> Rob if you win tonight yeah, me and uh, me and uh, the alliance we're going to make it and I'm going to make it special for her and I'm like yeah she wants to mm-hmm. fuck you she wants to fuck you and then it's brilliant because all of a sudden the camera pans away and Y2J stood behind her. Uh, and then it's one of them iconic moments. It's, it's especially during the invasion, looking back, a lot of iconic moments that have gone on remembered happened during this mm-hmm. time. And this is another one of them um, where it's still like, I, I remember as a 16 year old fucking loving the fact that Chris Jericho was obsessed with the fact that Stefan had a boob job. Right. And now looking <laughs> back as an adult, I find it really weird. And like, why, like, Christian, like, Christian, sorry, Chris Jericho, like, are you, what, are you supposed to be anti women? Because Steph, it is very apart from, bizarre. Apart from the weird hairstyle, and that's, I don't understand what the look Steph was going for. But if we ignore that, Steph looks hot as fuck. Right. So I would. Well, I don't, I don't, absolutely, I would twice on a Wednesday. Um, <laughs> but, I don't understand what the angle Jericho's getting at. And Steph's like, oh, I'm, I, how dare you say I've had a boob job? And I, I don't understand Steph's reaction. She should be loud and proud. Yeah, I have. Look at her. But no, she's like, no, how dare you pick on me? It's like, I don't get it. As a kid, I got it. And I thought it was fucking brilliant. And it's still, I was still marking out. And I was like, oh, it's this moment. And I still loved it. But like, if you actually take a step back and think, what? Do you not, eh, Jericho, what, Is eh? It's strange, especially, you know, like really watching this with 2021 lenses. That's that's the problem. That's the problem. It was just 
really just calling her a whore for having tits and (laughs) (laughs) hilarious. But I'm going to tell you my favorite part is so the segment says, so they get done. Chris Jericho walks away because their match is next. Stephanie's just sitting there. And, but before Jericho goes, he's like, I wish you the breast. I mean, best of luck, you know, because breasts, do you get it? Everybody. Well, JR straight away. It cuts to the yes. commentators, and JR's marking out, and JR's like, "King," and that this is the sort of shit you'd get from King, not JR, who's supposed right. to be a good, wholesome family man. He's like, "King, breast, did you get it? Breast of luck," and I'm like, "Oh, JR, you've been knocking about with King for far too long." <clears throat> it was so funny because, like you said, like because King isn't there; it's Heyman. But oh, sorry, JR, not King Heyman. Sorry, sorry, Heyman. Yeah, right. It's natural. It's natural. That's but it. It's just, because it's what I'm conditioned to baby say. Face. Yeah, everybody is. And, uh, <laughs> because Heyman isn't going to like it because Stephanie's in the alliance and he's he's not going to support Jericho. So it has to be Jr. And they can't just not make fun of it on commentary because <laughs> make sure you explain to them why it was funny. <laughs> so. JR is like, like you said, he's like, and it's, it was so out of place because that's not so not what it's JR just not does. JR. Yeah, it's just not JR. <laughs> Do you get it? <laughs> Rust of luck. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, that was the, one of my favorite parts of the whole pay-per-view, I think. I agree. I agree. But, uh, but that leads us into probably the best match of the night. Rob Van Dam versus Chris Jericho. A, uh, a hardcore match for the hardcore title. And even though the hardcore title is pretty much a prop at this point, I don't think it lasts too much longer. Maybe another uh, couple months here. But uh, Rob Van Dam is the champion. And I think he's probably one of the best hardcore champions of all time, in my opinion. I mean, that's not really saying a lot. I mean, who else would there be? But um, really good run here of matches. He's really RVD is super over at this point, like just organically. Like that wasn't something they pushed. That was just like they they introduced his character and the crowd loved him right away. Um, so he's almost kind of like a tweener at this point, even though he's in the alliance. So he's he's innately supposed to be a heel, but the crowd loves him, so they're kind of tiptoeing that line, which just confuses things even more. Um, but yeah, and then you have Y2J, who I think he's just a few months shy of becoming the first undisputed champion. So kind of a weird transition period in both these guys' careers. I think they kind of flip alignments within a matter of months at this point. Yeah, but uh, d- definitely. Um, I, th- I think for me, um, it was a weird one because like, like you said, with the hardcore title, um, it actually stays around till the like, middle of 2002. Um, it, like, right. it turns, it, like, as, as it leaves, it gets uh, unified with the European title. Um, but as it leaves, before it leaves, it's suddenly like, I think it's Tommy Dreamer turns it into like a, um, uh, a registration plate. And like, oh, yeah. I think, yeah, JBL, uh, when he's not JBL, when he's still Texas Bradshaw, he has his own version right. of the, uh, the hardcore title as well. So he does stay around for a bit longer. Um, but yeah, this, okay. this, this for me, um, where they, they, they should have flipped it around with the titles. Like this should have been for the U S title. And the US title yep. with Tajiri and Rhino should have been for the hardcore title. 100%. Because them 100%. two could have had a mean hardcore match. Where these two, they, they, had, a, they had a brilliant, a, a fantastic 15, 20-minute match that just had to have a ladder involved and a couple of chairs and stuff. And it didn't need, you could have done all the spots you did, minus a couple of the chair shots and, head, and ladder shots, etc. But mm-hmm. they could have been replaced with other moves or even rest holds or whatever. You could have still, that, the moments that the match had, it was an outstanding match, match of the night by far. 
Um, but I just think the hardcore title element of it, it took away what could have been an outstanding 20-minute mat wrestling match that that was kind of disrupted by hardcore spots. Yeah. No, yeah, I, t- I totally agree. You could have cut maybe cut down this match a little bit, given more to Tajiri and Rhino. And then, like you say, I didn't even think about that because that would have made sense because Tajiri and Rhino are both ECW guys at heart. So that would have been a perfect blend, I think. Yeah, definitely. RVD and Jericho have a ton of other matches in the future too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're they're two of the like, especially like I mentioned earlier with RVD. For me, he was the standout guy. Like like you mentioned, he's very much a tweener. Like there's so many moments during this match where these big RVD chants. Like people are very much behind RVD. Um, Mm -hmm. He goes on to be a star, and like Jericho, obviously he goes on to be Chris Jericho. Fucking hell, what a career he goes on to have. Uh, But these two have Mm -hmm. numerous matches on Raw throughout, like oh three, oh four, and going forward. Um, But this was one of the, even though it was one of the earlier matches, it was still one of the one of the better matches. This was for me. I have a big problem with Rob Rob Van Dam because sitting down and going through Rob Van Dam week after week after week with uh, SmackDown Raw's pay per views since I started covering Ruthless Aggression, Rob Van Dam has started to go through the motions. And not only go through the motions, we've started to work out he does things in certain order, and you can predict what's coming next. Yeah, and that's not a good thing when it's when you're watching a wrestler. And so I've been put off. I used to be a massive RVD mark, and I got put off him. And I still have now. I hate watching RVD in 2004. He's so much going through the motions. But this RVD, this is still fresh, wanting to prove a point. RVD. And his match, like, this reminded me very much of, there were two th- two matches that blended together for this for me. It was Jericho versus Redacted at Royal Rumble um, for the uh, IC title <laughs> in the ladder match. And it was also, mm-hmm. also this ha- also had a blend of RVD versus Jeff Hardy v- from Invasion. Because even though that was right. for the hardcore title, the only thing they really used in that was a ladder. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, had a great was, blend, yes. great blend of all of them together. I thought it was a, ve- it was a very good match, very enjoyable match. And that kind of supports what you're saying about RVD. This is pretty soon after ECW folded. So he's still kind of got that mindset in him a little bit. And he's still fresh enough to where he's probably not produced as much as he would go on to be. Because I would agree, you know, mid 2000s, you know, and beyond, he was very, you know, kind of, yeah, he had his moves, but he kind of fit himself into the WWE mold. So I was always kind of really indifferent on RVD. I didn't, I didn't hate him. I didn't love him. Um, I, I enjoyed him for what he was, but he was he was never that guy that I like really loved. But like watching him here in 2001, dude was amazing, especially, you know, off the heels off of those Jeff Hardy matches. He had that hardcore match at Invasion with Jeff Hardy. And then uh, I think it was a ladder match at SummerSlam against Jeff Hardy. Both were incredible matches. So and I'm assuming that's probably, you know, they, they the WWE or WWF at the time saw that and were like, OK, this, this is what RVD does. So we're just going to keep putting them in these crazy Weapons yeah. matches and a, this and is Jeff what Hardy's done. So let's throw Jericho. Yeah, exactly. And it did. Yeah. For for to, to be fair, it did. And uh, it does. It does. Match, it does. Yeah, definitely. It it was a really physical match. Another match where people were just getting busted open hard way, all over the place. And uh, we saw like that that classic ladder walls of Jericho that I think we first saw against Benoit and that. Yes. Or, I'm sorry. Against Redacted at Royal Rumble <laughs> 2001. <laughs> we, um, we, we, we prefer, on the uh, our era, we prefer to call him that dirty murdering bastard. Um, but yeah, Chris Benoit will do. <laughs> that narrows it down to only a few guys in wrestling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, ladders, chairs, 
Um, and towards the end, Stephanie and her big fake tits interfere. Uh, she gets on the apron. Uh, she starts yelling at the ref or whatever. And Jericho has a chair in his hand. And boy, howdy, this dude swings this chair like he's trying to rip Stephanie's head off. If, if Stephanie would not have gotten out of the way, we would have seen Stephanie fly 10 feet off the apron. But Stephanie gets out of the way. Jericho has a chair in his hand. He's looking at Steph. He's distracted. And he turns around and gets hit with a Van Daminator. Kick to the chair into Jericho's face. Uh, looked beautiful, by the way. And then even more beautifuler was the five-star frog splash that followed. So... That gives Rob Van Dam the win here, retains the coveted hardcore title. And uh, yeah, an- another match, another great match in RVD's string of great matches here. Oh, it was a fantastic match. Like I said, it, I think it always, Steph was always going to get involved in the end. I think it was just a matter mm-hmm. of when and how. Um, and the, like you said, I, I can't agree anymore. The, the beautiful Van Daminator and an even beautifuler five star. Uh, but there were so many moments in the match as well that even though I, I kind of, I'm going to contradict myself now where I, I don't agree with it being a hardcore match. With it being a hardcore match, you still got some hardcore spots. Like there was a lovely suplex onto the ladder that looked stiff as fuck. Um, uh, RVD took a nasty bump off the ropes, looked stiff. Uh, you know, there, mm. there was a lot of lot of very stiff, like the uh, RVD with the drop toe hold onto Jericho onto the ladder. That looked nasty, that did. And the, I, th- I think that could have been the moment that opened up Jericho's eye. Because Jericho, yeah, Jericho's so. eye looked that looked that looked a bit gnarly that towards the end, but yeah, it was it was a very physical match. It also had all your all your high flying spots that you'd expect from these two. It was five Dave Meltzer Tokyo Dome stars. It was that were bloody brilliant, <laughs> amazing. And it's crazy because it's like it's a good match, but it's almost like inconsequential in the long term you know story of it. Because yeah, it means nothing. It means absolutely fuck all coming out of this. Because within a few months, Jericho and Stephanie are aligned. So it's like, what the hell? That there's like, because <laughs> at the previous pay per view, Jericho faced Rhino, who was basically you know backed by Stephanie. So it's it's like this month long, several month long arc where Stephanie is just trying to conquer Y2J, and then ultimately it's just like whatever, and then they get together for <laughs> yeah. whatever reason. And we ter- turn on the game, and that's a whole storyline in itself. Yeah, it's man. That, yeah, it sure is. But uh, after that, we get this match that both of us have acclaimed. The Rock versus Booker T and Shane McMahon for the WCW world title. And uh, so Rock is the champion. So first of all, The Rock, who for all intents and purposes is the leader of the WWF, is a WCW champion. champion. (laughs) Yes. Which is like, okay. this storyline. Devil's advocate here, right? So we have Rock and Austin as the heads of each respective side. It's like, okay, it's dumb, but it's like, okay, those are your two biggest stars you have, I guess. And and ultimately, you know, Rock and Austin haven't really met since WrestleMania. So it makes sense for that to be the ultimate culmination if you kind of think of it that way. But at the same time, it's just like, man, they just, the titles, this is kind of confirms that the titles are more props than anything at this point. Definitely. Like, like for me, I always remember back in the day, like I was always baffled why they didn't have the final battle at Survivor Series and the, the main event. It wasn't a Survivor Series match. It was Austin versus The Rock, title versus title. The winner wins them mm-hmm. both. The winner wins the power. Do you know what I mean? And then you, I know obviously they unify it 
a couple of months later um, with Jericho at Vengeance and stuff. Um, but wh- why not just do it there and then at Survivor Series and then have Vince come out and the big ooh celebration and all that? They could have had yeah. it then. But yeah, they, I don't understand. It's another case of that I'm just champion because it's your belt. Ha. Yeah, it's, it's like I have it hostage and you have to come get it from me. It's like one, of those, <laughs> yeah. one of those deals. Come and get it back, bitch. <laughs> um, but yeah, this match here, it's a handicap match. And uh, honestly, I, I was very entertained by this match. I mean, Booker and Rock, they had a match at the previous pay-per-view SummerSlam and it was okay. Um, but I think adding Shane here just made it, it gave it that energy that I think it needed. Um, and then you have, so pretty much the story of this match is Nick Patrick, the referee, who is a uh, WCW referee he, who has had a past as uh, you know a crooked referee in WCW. I, th- I believe he sided with the NWO at some point. Yeah, he's um, a bit of a bastard. He's a bit of a bastard. He is. A known bastard. And mm. the commentators, nobody's really kind of referencing that, that he's kind of had a history of this stuff, which I think that it could have served well if they did that, but it's like, whatever. Um but yeah, he's you know Nick Patrick. He's 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 being distracted when The Rock has one of them pinned. He's turning a blind eye when Booker and Shane are using weapons and stuff. And it, it's fine. Like the premise is like okay, he's a WCW referee. It would make sense to side with WCW. But first of all, I feel like in title matches you should have like a neutral referee. Like it wouldn't make sense in kayfabe to have a referee that's siding with like innately siding with one side. I think I don't know how you would do that. Um, you probably just have to get a whole new referees, but that's why <laughs> I didn't do it. But uh, the, the referees, the referees portion of this entire feud was it was amazing in so many different ways. Like I always remember being granted I, again. I was I've not watched Invasion pay per view in many many years, uh, but at the time I was so invested in Earl Hebner kicking the fuck out of Nick Patrick because he wasn't. Oh, I, was I, so I great. we hated him. Like, I was so Team WWF at the time, and I hated Nick Patrick. And like even during this match when Mike Kyoto comes out at the end and starts beating on him, like yes. That was probably one of the bigger pops of the night, honestly. <laughs> is when, like at the end where uh, I guess Booker or somebody has the rock pinned, um, but Patrick is, is about to count, and then Mike Kyoto rips him out, like you said. And I think Patrick, he, I don't know, I, there was a lot of stuff happening in this match. I'm like trying to remember. I well, think you like, had, the you, rock. Well, you had like, you had, oh, Big Test came out for the original distraction, oh, the, swer- the swerve ball distraction. Um, and then uh, Bradshaw comes out with a weapon, chase Tess off, and it's like, right, we're settling back down again. Uh, then we get the, like you said, that we get the, the pinfall attempt. Uh, Kyoda, he pulls <laughs> Patrick out and then takes a horrible bump when he's going after Patrick. It's like, even Kyoda's up for this. His adrenaline's pumping <laughs> from his veins. Nasty bump. Um, just before, well, just sorry, just to add, just before Big Test come out, um, I did love Shane's uh, the two spots that sell that he took from uh, missing the elbow. He, he missed it and then took like he arched his back and it looked like it was yeah, pro- it's beautiful sell. Uh, and then his kip up, that was a thing of beauty. That was um, see, so yeah. So he's not dumpy; he's an athlete. No, he's still he's a dumpy athlete. He's blessed. <laughs> he's, he's blessed. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, so Kyoda, he's him and Patrick are scrapping outside. Then all of a sudden, the hero, the referee of all referees, will happily sell your t-shirt in a car park. 
Earl Ebner comes <laughs> storming down the ring. And the moment happens, The Rock wins. One, two, three. Everyone's happy. Yeah. I'm pissed off. I wanted Shane. Even now, I knew the result. And I was still pissed off that Shane didn't walk out as champion. Because the following night on Raw, it would have been the biggest bollocks promo ever. And it would have been brilliant. <laughs> Man, you know, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to picture that in my head. And I mean, oh, mate, he'd come out in a suit. Do you like when he came out? Um, I, I don't know if you remember the time when he was European champion, uh, when he beat yes. X Pac, and he came out and he revealed the title under the suit. He'd do that with the with the big gold belt, and ah, oh, he'd come out and he'd give it the big in. I fucking told you, Rock, you're a pussy all. Oh, it'd be brilliant, mate. They, they, they missed a <laughs> trick. They probably missed a trick. Yeah, it would have been the next David Arquette. <laughs> it would have been amazing. <laughs> but it would have, I mean, like, you know, again, devil's advocate, you know, he is WCW, technically, you know, in kayfabe. And it would have been a cool story because, you know, taking it from The Rock, who, I mean, The Rock doesn't care about this title anyway, so you might as well take it away from him. Um, man, what could have been? It's not too late. We still could. I mean, Shane won a fucking tournament like a year ago or two to be the best wrestler in the world. So <laughs> it's never too late for a Shane world title run. Well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> but yeah, awesome match here. Uh, Rock walks out as the WCW champion. But then, what do you what do you have after a world title match? Well, you have uh, Stacey Keebler shaving her legs. At WWE New York, making this fan look really awkwardly intimidated but aroused at the same time. It was a weird expression because this guy was obviously thinking about Stacey Keebler having a shave. And we all know that she's not on about shaving her nose hairs. Um, and, <laughs> but, but this guy at the same time has got this camera whacked in his face and he keeps kind of glancing to the camera. And it's like, is he trying to tell me through the lens? Help me. <laughs> he's trying not to come in his pants as he's watching. Yeah, he's, he's, in a, he's in a very compromising position, is this young fella. And yeah, as you alluded to, we see clips of fucking Stacey Keebler in a bathtub, shaving her legs. What the fuck? For what reason? And, and people listening to this, they're like, okay, so she's shaving her legs. But like, what's the context? What's the storyline? Who else is involved? <laughs> Just Nobody. Stacey in a bath. Just Stacey in a bath. Yep. <laughs> and then it and then it ends and then they're back to commentary and like yeah, oh, what do you have like, about that JR yeah she, like Stacey turns around to everyone in WWE New York you know what do you think of that and they all pop for the fact that Shavy that Shavy oh, that, that Stacey's had a shave they that was, love that that was top tier and then and then you're like you said snap and we're back to commentary anyway up, up next it's like you that got was it. odd you got a raging semi going and now you gotta watch Rhino come out <laughs> <laughs> oh man but yeah we, we kind of talked about this earlier tajiri versus rhino for the u.s title which i have no recollection of the well, united states is, title even playing a part this is what i like, like to call storyline. the 2001 diva piss break match <laughs> you've just had the wcw title on the line up next after this is your main event with the wwf title on the line we need to find something to go between I know what we'll use. We'll use Rhino and Tadgers for US title. We're two guys, again, who should be up both together as a tag team on Team Alliance. I would have been more happy of these two being in the Fatal 4-Way as a tag team than Lance Storm and Hurricane. I mean, they might as well have just made Stacey Keebler shave her legs for five more minutes instead of having yeah, this Yeah, why not? Bring her out. <laughs> roll her out in a bathtub, top of Ireland. She's like, fans, this is what you wanted to come to see. 
<laughs> you better hope Vince doesn't hear this because that's going to be a thing <laughs> next week. Uh, I'm, I'm not even lying. I'm not even lying. I'd happily watch that. No, no, no. <laughs> that's but, because, but because it's Vince, he'd, because he like he kind of dangle a carrot and he offers you what you want and then pulls it away. He'd offer this. He'd be like coming out. He's a divas shaving showcase. But then he brings out to <laughs> me fucking Tamina and Nia Jax come out, and then we're all oh, fucked. Man. <laughs> I mean, I'd still watch it, you know. Oh, I would, I would as well because it's fucking yeah, it's wrestling, isn't it? <laughs> but, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> well, speaking of big hairy Samoans shaving each other, we have Tajiri versus Rhino for the U.S. title, and uh, that was the random. Yeah, I, I must, I must add, that was the most random segue ever. Speaking of ha- speaking of hairy Samoans, here's a I'm Japanese a guy and an American it. guy. <laughs> 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 love it they're oh. my sort of segues in my head perfect sense <laughs> <laughs> if you, anybody that listens to me will understand I love it uh, I love it but, but yeah man like, like you said this could have been a hardcore match it, it should have been, been. Uh, yeah it should have been all they had to do was simply switch the titles you could have had the same exactly the same match but take away the hardcore portion of RVD and Jericho and just have the exact same spots with Tadges and Rhino and have two farm because there'd be a lot more fluidity within Jericho and RVD. Because like I said, from my personal point of view, I feel like the match got broken up because we had to get hardcore spots in. Where this match needed breaking up with something else because Rhino's not the best. And Tadger's, yeah, he's got his handspring elbow and he's got his kicks. He's got Tarantula. But he's very limited in what he can do if you want anything longer than a five-minute match. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the whole storyline here is that Tajiri's, his ribs, I don't know if they're broken or whatever, but they're taped up. And that's due to an attack from Rhino the previous week. So I guess there's a lot of it where Tajiri is selling it, so he can't like do too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, the match was what it was. It was kind of short. Both, but both these guys, I mean, you kind of look at this show in a vacuum if you haven't been watching this era in a while, and you might be like, man, these guys are kind of just two undercard guys in the in the dead spot, like you said. But Rhino was was getting pinfalls over the rock on Raw. He, he was in the main events and all that. He was built... Like a like a true oh, they pushed, monster. Oh, they pushed Rhino. Oh, that, that, that's for sure. Because I, I think what what helped as well is having Heyman on commentary. Because Heyman, obviously, he was a massive Rhino mark back in the day with from ECW. Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, he absolutely. Is. And it's it's the way the the certain words and the delivery of Paul Heyman. He makes you feel. He can just say fireplace, and he makes you want that <laughs> fireplace. Uh, he's, he's got such a skill. Like I'm every time Paul Heyman comes on my TV, even now in 2021, I'm still st- so invested, so invested. Um, but he, he was so good at putting Rhino over. So yeah, they were pushing him on screen. But also, it's all about that commentary. And that's their job to make the guys sound like a big deal. And Rhino mm-hmm. and the gore, like the passion that Heyman says when any time Rhino delivered a gore, it sound and it helped. It, they're putting it over. Tajiri's got injured ribs. Do you know what I mean they bandaged him up because the gore mm-hmm. is a powerful move. It's I don't know why they didn't. It probably probably it's Vince in it. A promo. If you can't do a promo, you're never going to take that next step. Don't matter how good you are. Yeah, yeah. And I think you, that's think they uh, Rhino falls into that category. Sort. I think. Well, Heyman. Yeah. Exactly, it would have been perfect. But obviously, you know? but obviously, Lesnar come on the scene, and that, that's a whole different, all different story. So maybe if it wasn't Lesnar, they could have put Heyman with Rhino and pushed Rhino as the next big thing and and all that jazz. Man, what could have been? And correct what me if I'm wrong. Been? Doesn't doesn't Rhino get injured at some point around yeah. this time? Uh, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it 
a little bit later on in 2002 when he's um he's teaming with Benoit over on okay. over on SmackDown and and then they have a bit of a, I think they they team together to begin with uh, like, I should know this I covered this <laughs> but it's like three years was that ago. was that like uh, when they teamed at WrestleMania 19 was it that yeah, time so, yeah so they were te- they were teaming together to begin with I think Rano get injured they come back together they teamed it didn't work we had the breakup we had the feud. And then they, mm-hmm. they, they went their separate ways. Obviously, Redacted went on to win the world title. And, uh, right. and Rhino, Rhino kind of went on to just mingle. He had a, he had a bit with John Cena and stuff and just kind of mingled mm-hmm. around the undercard and for many, 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 many years. Because I, I believe it was a, maybe 06. It was either just after ECW launched or just before. Because I, I feel like Rhino didn't stick around for long. And then he turned up in... Uh, Impact Wrestling or TNA at the time with his um, WWE Rhino gear, but he'd with mm-hmm. a bit of tape he'd changed one of the letters so it wasn't exactly the same as his gear. <laughs> I think it I was the, the either, either, the, either the Y he turned into an I or vice versa on his ring gear to make it look like it was different, which was one of my Man. greatest Rhino moments ever. Rhino was class. The goal was brilliant. Like many many wrestlers over the time over the time, sorry, have, have used the spear from Goldberg to Edge to mm-hmm. Roman Reigns. But something about the gore just, I think it's because he, he was this long-haired beast in the singlet and just made it look that little bit more special. It made you feel it a little bit more. Yeah, him him and Goldberg are the two guys that I have mm. at the top of my list as far as Spears Definitely. go. Because they both kind of just like, they're not worried about making it look pretty. They're just actually trying to shit all over the guy that yeah, they're they about to tackle. Yeah, they want to slam through you. Like the yes. uh, the go go back to the Goldberg spear with Nunzio at Royal Rumble oh three oh four one oh three uh, absolutely okay. fucking annihilates him annihilates mm-hmm. him uh, and yeah that's but that's that's putting over the power of the move and going back to our original point of this it was that with Goldberg with Goldberg so with Rhino he's not got that many moves but the moves he does. If you're putting him over on screen, you've got the best person on commentary with Heyman putting him over um, from from the commentary booth. It was uh, I'm well aboard right right now in 2001. I'm well aboard the Rhino train. Yeah, and especially since you know he had that good tag title run with Heath Slater on SmackDown. That was some good uh, well, shit. J- j- I'm not gonna lie, right? I've always been a Heath Slater mark. Even even back in the day with the original Nexus, uh, something about that dirty, greasy ginger <laughs> kid. I just I seem to get attached to, and his storyline with his trailer and his missus and the kids and uh, Rhino just eating crackers and cheese. Ah, oh, it's fucking. That's exactly up my street in the bollocks that I want from my wrestling. Exactly up Man, my street. I forgot it's about brilliant. the. the- cheese whiz and the crackers oh, it's funny offering everybody offering everybody a, a bit of cheese <laughs> you watch him here as a legitimate monster and then a few years later go by and then hey you want something with this cracker with this cheese whiz yeah, we, we cut we cut to heave slater's um trailer and renee young's trying to give a proper serious interview and rano's just at the back just munching cheese on crackers <laughs> and then like, like Heath Slater's like he's getting really deep and dark about the importance of he needs to win his contract to save his family and then Rano just cuts and he's like do you want a cracker? <laughs> it's <laughs> brilliant Heath is putting his heart and soul into it and it's like I guess I'll I guess I'll tag along he's fucking genius <laughs> so many Man. people shit on that but I fucking loved it loved it Rano was brilliant I loved it I saw them win the titles live Fun fact, All one right. of my best oh, moments marvelous. of my life. Marvelous indeed. What was also marvelous was Kurt Angle versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. And they are in Kurt Angle's hometown of uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 
And just an added caveat to this match that a lot of people probably don't even think about is like we mentioned before, this is a few weeks after 9-11. So patriotism is at its all-time high. And, you know, Kurt has, you know, even for a month or so before that happened, he had been really pushing this patriotic character. I mean, he's always been that, but he, he just recently turned babyface. So he's really like kind of trying to tug at the heartstrings in that way. So in a weird way, it kind of fit. And I think it might have even helped him a little bit. You know, I don't want to try to find the silver lining in 9-11 or anything, but that did, that is another, you know, aspect to this that uh, people oh, might not think Definitely. About. I think everything blended together. Everything came together at this point. I think, I don't know whether the idea behind um, having the family there, like, because before the match when we had Michael Cole interviewing the family, oh. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. How could I forget? So, so you've got, so usually on a normal interview, you have the uh, interviewer, at the ringside uh, of the barrier, and you have the the, the interviewee, with mm-hmm. family, friends, whoever, on the fan side of the barrier. Oh, no, 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 not this time. So Michael, Michael Cole, Cole, he hops over the barrier, and he crouches down in the most awkward position, <laughs> and he proceeds to ask Kurt Angle's mum if she thinks Kurt Angle's going to win. Well, she's not going to say, well, actually, no, Michael, I think Stone Cold's going to batter him. Uh, <laughs> and, and then... We speak to the third angle, so we've, we've, we know of Kurt, and we know of Eric when he, when he was the, the fake Kurt during his feud with Undertaker. But no, who knows Dave Angle? And Dave <laughs> Angle, unfortunately, has hearing problems because behind him, you've got 200 fucking marks raging because they know they're on camera. And Dave, bless his heart, he can't hear a fucking thing. <laughs> So just, every time, every time Michael Cole asks a question, he's like, "What? Eh, come again? Say again? What? Eh?" Do you think Kurt is going to win? <laughs> Will <laughs> Kurt <laughs> win, Dave? <laughs> Say yes, cunt. And then he's like, <laughs> "But yes, Michael Cole and his stupid blonde." Ah, it was brilliant. Stupid ah, jeans. Michael Cole's Crouching. a knobhead in every every era of every <laughs> Michael Cole. Michael Cole's a knobhead. I'm sorry. Right, he you is, don't, like- a, don't get me wrong, he knows his shit, whether that shit is learnt himself or it's lines he's fed and he's got an incredibly good way of delivering lines. He does know his shit, but I'm a bit bored of Michael Cole now. Like we, yeah, we, we've gone through, like, I've gone through, I've gone through. Yeah, he's fine, exactly. He's fine. He shouldn't be mm-hmm. fine. A commentator shouldn't be fine. A commentator should want to get you excited about what you're watching. Michael Cole doesn't do that. And Corey Graves just fucking agrees with him and then argues and then agrees again and then argues on what he's just agreed on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have a <laughs> big all... issue with commentators. A big issue with commentators. Yeah. Your commentator's yeah. got to get oh. like I I grew up on Monsoon and Bobby Heenan and that well, a little bit of Vince McMahon and, and, and that Jesse Ventura. And then um the later in life when obviously you got like Randy Savage came on board, Jerry Lawler came on board, then it turned to JR and the King and so on and so on. But all them to these times, apart from Vince saying, What a maneuver every thirty seconds. Um mm-hmm. like especially Gorilla Monsoon got you invested, Bobby Heenan, there was a reason to listen to the commentary because of that. And the same with the the connection between JR and the King. I feel like you've got to get a connection. You've got to, you've, it's got to be there. The, the Michael Cole, Corey Graves, or the Michael Cole with anybody apart from Taz is fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. There's no chemistry. And you need chemistry with your commentary teams. For my, my personal opinion, my humble opinion anyway. I agree. And I will say, I think we even touched on this earlier, but the, the commentary team of JR and Heyman is so underrated, I think. I think I it's so iconic with this era as well. 
Like, yeah, absolutely. This, it's like like with the, the the episode of Raw when uh, him is like, oh, you, I'll show you fucking something, and he gets up out of commentary booth, goes in the ring, and he sides with these W guys, and like so many iconic moments. Um, but yeah, I think they, they blended so well together because Heyman's a dickhead and he's like, fuck off JR, hey, right. JR, do you like this one, JR? He's, he's a dickhead and JR's so WWE to the bone. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's, uh, so yeah, it was a great blend. It was a great blend. Because but he would legitimately. Michael Cole. <laughs> yeah, throw that in the end there. Uh, but yeah, JR, he would legitimately like get angry at Paul Heyman, like in a shoot. Because I've read JR's book, and he said that was like the magic of Heyman is that Heyman knew how to like push his buttons to get yeah, really you know how to up. wind him up, know how to wind him up. Exactly. But that was perfect for the storyline because you at the commentary booth, you have that line, you have the alliance in WWF, so it's natural for these guys to hate each other. But they were able to kind of maintain, you know, a semblance of like, you know, they 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 were at each other's throats, but they still call the action it's, in the right. Yeah, ring. you still you still got the professionalism of what you'd expect from two commentators. Exactly, and they're both great at it. And like you said, chemistry is an important thing, and I think those two had great chemistry together. Definitely, totally agree. But then we have, like I said, the main event. We have Kurt Angle versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold is the WWF champion, even though he is the head of the alliance. And <laughs> because who gives a fuck about titles? Who gives a fuck? What? And so we have a great. So SummerSlam 2001, the previous pay-per-view, these guys had their first match. And that one, that was a match I had never seen before. And I watched it like a month or so ago. And it was incredible. Like probably maybe other than his match with The Rock at WrestleMania 17, maybe the best Stone Cold match of all time. A really, really good match. Um, really good Kurt Angle match as well. And so I was kind of expecting something of similar caliber with this match, but I think it kind of, it felt kind of short, first of all. Maybe it was just me, or maybe it was just a, like a lot of like dead time in the beginning when they're doing like all the fighting and the the aisleway, you know, classic Attitude Era stuff. They, they kind of meet in the aisleway and fight on the stage and all that shit. I kind of tune out of that type of yeah, stuff personally um, i i agree like the, don't get me wrong i can i can be fully invested in a hot start that's all punching kicks like they meet in the aisleway mm-hmm. and they're scrapping like prop blood feud proper blood feud but then when you're five six minutes into the match and all you've seen from stone cold so far is 19 kicks and 17 punches um mm-hmm. do you know what i mean yeah like i think in the attitude era i think because everything was such a fast pace everything was fast even like a a 15 minute match they, they put 45 minutes worth of content in there it was so fast paced you you kind of wasn't um given the chance to sit back and evaluate what you're watching right now and there was a lot of right. these times where you kind of got for me personally you got slow methodical stone cold kick punch kick punch fuck you Kurt. fuck you kick punch it was like mm-hmm. don't get me wrong you're not gonna get German suplexes and stuff from Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was never the part of the gimmick. The gimmick was all always, I'm going to kick you and I'm going to punch you. But exactly. I don't know, something about the like the face Stone Cold when it was the tweener Stone Cold hype 98-99. If you look at him against a lot of your heels, so like your Rock or Triple H, he'd get them kick punch spots in, but then he'd get a beat down for a while. And then yep. he'd come out of it with a Lufez Prez and all his spots and his elbow from the middle rope and all that stuff. That's a good when point. Stone, when, when Stone Cold's playing the heel, I don't know. I'd, I'd Kick, punch, kick, punch, kick, punch. There's only so much you can see of it. Because there's no, it's just flat, right? There's no peaks, yeah, definitely. there's no valleys, there's no definitely. build up, there's no payoff. It's just continuous, like you said, kick, punch, kick, punch. We're and not yeah, building that, up a, to anything. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, I never really thought of it that way. But yeah, the heel, that's just another point as far as heel stone cold and why it wasn't it the, the right fit for him, I think. Just it's, didn't work. Yeah, really... it just didn't work. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. help. We've got going what we what we covered earlier. It doesn't help that the fans never really turned. Do you know what I mean? They, you might have had a few mm-hmm. that were, oh, you're, you're WCW. Oh, you're a knobhead. But you're still stone cold and we love you. Hey! And that's the thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the kick punch, kick punch. Don't get me wrong. Angle, the spots that Angle got in were brilliant. Like Kurt Angle as a wrestler, it's like it's what's been said that, that I, you know what I mean, I can't say what's already been said many, 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 many times. The transition from um, Olympic Greco-Roman wrestler, freestyle wrestler, into WWF wrestler in the short period of time, and the speed he did it. And not only the speed, mm-hmm. the fact that he was able to hold himself at that level at the top of his game from the minute he hit it to the minute he retired. Um, it was, yep. there's no other man that's going to come close to Kurt Angle but going way way back to what we said at the start I just think everything gelled together in this match you had like you, uh, you alluded to 9-11 stuff um, I don't know whether they were they're aiming on they weren't going to have Kurt Angle win this uh, maybe here or maybe win it a f- further down the line I think it just worked well because it was that feel good moment they had his family in attendance it was yep. in his hometown because like, I imagine the family in attendance the hometown they were all planned prior 9-11 or, or it yeah. could just be Vince McMahon and he does things on a whim. You never know. Uh, but <laughs> you just don't know, do you? That's the thing. Um, from what if you, if you believe the dirt sheets, he changes his mind five minutes before fucking Raw goes off the air these right. days. So yeah, fuck yeah. knows what he did back in 01 when he was a bit more fucking, a bit more in tune. Because I think dementia's kicking in and he's just not willing to accept it. I think that's that's yeah. the problem. Um but, but yeah, I just think everything blended well for Angle. Everything worked well, and it was the perfect time. It was that feel-good moment. And even myself, even now watching it back at 35, when Angle got the one, two, three, and the family's in the ring, and I'm like, fucking God bless America! Yeah. <laughs> it was really, I mean, like you said, the 9-11 thing, and just the, the build-up otherwise was even really great for this match. Um, I mean, this is when uh, Austin throws Angle's medals off the bridge. And then the next week, Kurt Angle retaliates by kidnapping Stone Cold, taking him to another bridge, an even higher bridge, and threatening to throw him off the bridge. Um, and that's kind of how he got this match. He's, he's it like, was brilliant. Get, it was brilliant. Give me a title match or I'm going to throw you off this bridge and murder you. Like, you know, I, rem- I remember when um, I kind of forgot about the build up to this until I saw the promo. Uh, and when I saw mm-hmm. the promo, I was like, oh, yeah, that was the time. Because, like, for me back then, we, we, we were in that slow transition from Kurt Angle, the goofy, doofy character, to turn into Kurt Angle, the badass. And it kind of showed yeah. that mean streak, but it all comes down to the medals. There, there's nothing more important to the life of Kurt Angle than the medals. You fuck with them medals, you're fucking with your life. And I thought it was just brilliant. And I always remember that segment. And I was like, it took me back to being a kid. And that segment where he thinks he took him to the end of a bridge, but he's not. He took him to the edge of a paddling pool. He's yeah, like, yeah. cry <laughs> for me, Steve. Cry for me, Steve. And I'm, like, oh, I'm sorry, Kurt. And he's like, I'll tell you what I want. I want to cut. You can have it. You can have it. And then that moment that Steve Austin thinks he's been pushed off a bridge. And, ah! and then he realizes. <laughs> and it's that moment of realization where Austin, he comes to in the paddling pool. He pulls off the, the bandana that's covering his Faces, ah, you fucking yeah, you bastard. And I'm like, oh man, it was a brilliant because, it, like I said, it was for me, it was that slow transition from yeah, Kurt with a dick and all the, the storyline with him playing the guitar and the fun stuff. And he's all even with his stuff with Edging Edge Christian, it's always been about fun Kurt Angle when he's tried to play that role, right. But now this is serious Kurt Angle. I'm coming for you, Austin. You tried taking my medals, I'm gonna take your life. And I'm like, yes. Fucking USA, exactly. USA. <laughs> Even you, you, you. I'm channel, telling you, I'm on it, man. 
Um, I was hyped <laughs> for this match. The match let me down because, like I said, I I, I didn't realise how fucking dull watching heel Steve Austin is. Yeah, it was. I mean, because it's like, yeah, I mean, cause th- th- there were a couple moments in the match that I did like, um, kind of when they first got back into the ring after all those schmozzy stuff on the outside. Stone Cold goes for a Stone Cold stunner, but he knows that if he kicks Kurt Angle in the gut, Kurt is going to grab his ankle and put him in the ankle lock. So he kind of like hesitates a little bit and his hesitation allows Kurt Angle to take control. And then they kind of go from there and then they go back to the outside and then they do a callback to, I think it was the previous SmackDown or Raw where Stone Cold ripped the padding off of the floor and gave Kurt a pile driver on the, on the concrete there. And, you know, Kurt has well-known neck issues and all that stuff. And they stretchered him out and they, Brought, brought him to a local medical facility and all that shit. Um, so they had that kind of going for him too. Um, I, I think commentary was even like, oh, he's wrestling with a broken neck, you know, trying to <laughs> relive the 96 Olympic stuff. Um, so and that's it. There were a, a couple uh, high spots in this match that I really enjoyed. Uh, but for the most part, like you said, it was just kind of dull for the most part until the end, which even the end kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. You know, yeah, just, it was... Like, uh, I- what spoiled me for the ending uh, more than anything was that it was obvious that we're going to get a screwy finish and we're going to talk about it tomorrow. We're not going to come out on Raw tomorrow night and get the big celebration of Kurt Angle, the new leader of WWF. On tomorrow night on Raw, we're going to get Steve Austin coming out saying, well, I had hold of the apron when I tapped. It's not. It's false. Mm-hmm. It's bollocks. It's bullshit. And I feel like, yeah, just how it was... They didn't even try with, to get any different camera angles or get somebody else involved with a, mm-hmm. a dodgy joint kind of where it happened and you have to watch again to catch it happening. It was just too obvious and you knew what's coming tomorrow. So is that, because I, I didn't watch this pay-per-view live. When you watched this live, is that what you immediately thought? Absolutely. Straight away. Yeah. Straight away that that's, he's not one because yeah, he's got his hand under the rope. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with hindsight, it's like, man. Yeah, like you said, they could have done a different camera angle or something else. But Yeah, they could have just fucked about with it. They could have had yeah. Shane, Stephanie, somebody come out and just fucked about it a little bit. Where Because Kevin Dunn, he's not bad at what he does. He's a knobhead, but he's not bad at what he does. Right? <laughs> but he, could, he, he could have done a way where they were maybe over the shoulder of, of Austin or over the shoulder of Kurt where you can just about see a finger touch or something. So tomorrow night on Raw... Because it's not obvious, they don't instantly want to talk about it. So maybe Austin comes out and says, I've got proof I didn't win. Everyone's like, what do you mean proof? What do you mean proof? And they zoom in and they actually show that he's got a fingertip or two fingertips mm-hmm. holding the apron and the title's now in abeyance and, and, and all that jazz. But, oh no, that kill angle, yeah, USA that- moment, wins the title. And then, yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird, because like just looking at the time and like how fast things were changing and how seemingly there was no plan. Because like, you mentioned the cowboy hats earlier and that was like maybe two months before this where Kurt and stone cold were just backstage playing guitars, wearing silly hats and just having a ball. And now they're in this blood feud where they're literally trying to murder each other, not figuratively, literally trying throwing each other off bridges and shit blood feud of all blood feuds. But then I think it's, I, I, I forget when exactly it happens. It might be after the next pay-per-view. But then Kurt Angle turns heel and joins the Alliance. Yeah. And then it's, so just, all effectively- big, it's just all a big charade, though, because he actually then tells, turns back to win at Survivor Series. Mm, 
That is true. That is true. And it's just a lot of nonsense. A lot of webs getting tangled. Man, what a time to be a wrestling fan. What a time <laughs> to be a wrestling fan. Absolutely. But yeah, Kurt wins here, as you said, gets that moment. His family gets in the ring, which apparently his family is comprised of 5,000 people. They all get in the <laughs> ring, <laughs> pick him up on their shoulders, and it's a great celebration. And then uh, a lot of the WWF roster comes out and shake his hand and all that shit. So it's a really good feel-good moment. You know, 9-11, the American hero kind of overcomes, overcomes the dastardly Stone Cold Steve Austin. But then we throw it out the next weekend. That's the one. Because so. that's the WWE way. <laughs> it sure is. Man, so that brings Unforgiven 2001 to a close. Um, but yeah, in general, what, what do you think of this show? I'd say overall, it had it had a lot of good moments. Like they like going back to what we discussed earlier with RVD and Jericho, it was an outstanding match. Like the um the the fatal four way to kick off the show. It was fun until it come down to two on two, which that should have been booked a whole different way. But there were also a lot of bollocks and not the positive bollocks. Um, mm-hmm. but I think it wasn't a, a bad show. Like a lot of people dick on the whole invasion feud, but they kind of only focus on the fact that it wasn't Goldberg, Austin, Ed Hogan, Nash, Hall. Uh, uh, uh. But they don't actually look at the, some of the quality that we saw within this pay per view. Like the the moments from Kurt Angle, that the, um, even towards the end when he was building up for the finish and stuff, you had it. Was you were invested? It was exciting. Um, the the wrestling mm-hmm. from Austin, like I said, is a heel. I I, I could never be won over by that. Um, but you had you had. Even Rhino and Tajiri for probably the, the like I said the diva piss break that still wasn't a bad match. There wasn't no, a there wasn't like the worst match of the night for me was Undertaker Kane versus Chronic, and that's terrible because it's got Undertaker and Kane in it. Yep. So the, so there wasn't yeah. like I said that was probably the, but, but that's only because it had Chronic, which because Chronic as as you mentioned as we both mentioned they didn't want to sell for shit. Um, Not at all. But yeah, overall, I'd, I'd say if anyone that's listening that's not gone back and watch it, go back and watch it. Don't go in with too many expectations and you'll come out. It's only two and a half hour long. It's, it's not that bad. It's, you'll come out and you've, it's a pretty, it's a damn good, decent B show. Mm-hmm. It is. It's a really easy watch, I think. Like Definitely. It's only like two and a half hours. And maybe with the exception of uh, Raven versus Perry Saturn, which even that's kind yeah. of funny to watch for the, for the silliness of it. Yeah, that has, like I said, that has its moments. Like, you even get a bit of blood when Perry Saturn's uh, eye bus open. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, and, but you, that, that was a match that it was in a weird way. It did require a payoff because it had a storyline. It was just the fact that the storyline involved a fucking mop and a, it going yeah. for a wood chipper <laughs> and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It, it, was, it was exactly, it was his perfect placement on the card because it was a mm-hmm. storyline on TV that needed an ending. Every ending should be on a pay-per-view. All that makes sense. It's just then when you fill in with context, it's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. So there's some things that look good on paper. And uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how good that looked on paper, but <laughs> there was effort put towards it. And yeah, like you said, man, I mean, this this pay-per-view, I mean, I'm looking through all these matches here and there's not a lot of bad. Even like the bad stuff is like still fun to watch. I think as well, it's the, the quality of the wrestlers you've got. If you go through that mm-hmm. card. Like they was they were blessed. They were so blessed to buy. Yeah, they got a lot of shit in WCW. But even before the shit, like when um, Eddie Guerrero and Benoit and the Radicals when they all came over, um, they mm-hmm. they were blessed. But like, even you go back even before then when Jericho came over, like they were blessed. And that's just like the mid card. They're blessed with so much talent, yep. and that's what WWE is missing because for the past 
10, 15 years, Vince McMahon is a, is a, is a hundred percent focused on attention was making John Cena a star. And then now for the past five years, making Roman Reigns a star and it, nobody yep. else has been given remotely close to the level of push that Undertaker, even Mankind, Triple H, Rock, Austin, Jericho, Benoit, that, that mm-hmm. Guerrero, Lesnar. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't, it's like he's got boredom making talent. And that's where WWE's blessed in 2001 because you've got all them people, obviously minus Lesnar, but then also you've got all the fresh guys from WCW as well who want to make a name for themselves, but are also still names. Like your Billy Kidman's of the world. People are very much familiar with who he is. Chavo Guerrero, people are very much familiar who he is. Like now, WWE buy a guy. Uh, or they get a guy from an indie promotion. Now, for me, I'm very much a part-time watcher in modern-day wrestling. So I don't I don't watch NXT. So when a guy gets called up from NXT, I ain't got a fucking clue who he is. And there's no backstory mm-hmm. because they expect that you've watched you've watched NXT. Yeah, I mean, they're going to change him anyways <laughs> completely. So it's not even really worth going back and seeing what his backstory was in NXT at this point. They kind of just make them in their own image. Yeah, but I think that that's the that's the issue. There's not there's not enough attention focused on it. Like I said, going back to the card, if you go through that card, minus a couple of people, you've got stars at, at various points during their career for various promotions. Everybody's a star, and they're blessed with the talent. And that, that's why if this if this would have been a pay per view booked in 0607 with where you've got. I don't know, the, the fucking, what did the, the Mexicals, when they were on SmackDown driving the tractors and that. <laughs> uh, it would have been a different, it would have been even worse. It would have been December to dismember levels of bad. But because you're still yeah. blessed with your RVDs, your Booker T's and people like that, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, I enjoyed it. It was a fun watch. Thank you for inviting it's, me on. Thank you for getting me to watch it again. Fully enjoyed it. Absolutely, man. Yeah, thank you for coming on. And yeah, like this period of time, it's um, kind of transitioning from the Attitude Era, you know, the Attitude Era had like, you had your main event and then the rest of the card just kind of like was whatever. But it was this period in 2001 where I feel like WWF was having the best like top to bottom mat- uh, match cards that they ever had. Because like Definitely. I said, this card from, from top to bottom, you have stars, Dudleys, you start off with the Dudleys and the Hardys, you have Edge and Christian, Undertaker Kane, RVD, like it's it's Hall of Famer yeah. after Hall of, Hall of Famer throughout the entire show. And like they're kind of transitioning into an era where it's more, uh, there's more highlight given to like the bell to bell stuff, um, rather than the bollocks. Um, yeah, there's more focus on the wrestling, which some people would call that era the ruthless aggression era. And I hear that you have a podcast that covers the ruthless aggression era yourself. Beautiful segue, young man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, RA Era Podcast. That's the Ruthless Aggression Era Podcast. Um, we started this. We're now in our. This is. This will be the fifth year we're entering. Um, we started. We started way, way, way back at Vengeance 2002. So we picked it up just after the the original draft. Uh, we're now building up to. Taboo Tuesday 2004. Uh, I think we're going to record the build. So uh, we can't, we tried to cover the whole thing. So um, twice a month, we'll do an episode. We'll do Raw and SmackDown in that month, covering the build up to said brand's pay per view, and then do that pay per view, and then so on and so on. We also tried to look at Heat and Vengeance. Um, we're trying desperately to get hold of some experience footage. We're getting close. We think we've, we've nearly nailed it. Um, experience? So, yeah, uh, ex- yeah, it was. It was terrible. It was fucking what the diabolical. Fuck is that? It was like the. It was like so. The logo. You might be familiar with the logo. The. Um, E on the experience was surrounded by like a, a wavy heart. 
mm-hmm. and it was um it was a uh, I do you like can you remember like your bottom lines of, of back in the day of your your clip shows, but they showed yeah. pre-recorded matches from somewhere random. So huh. like I don't I have so no like, recollection of this. Yeah, so like obviously with your heat, with your heat was for uh, your Monday Night Raw. And uh, Velocity was for your SmackDown. So you got mm-hmm. storylines that kind of overlapped into, into both shows. Where experience, every now and again, they'd show like a random match that were recorded at a house show. And right. then they'd, they'd, <laughs> they'd, they'd dub commentary over it. And it's just, it's like, they talk, oh, this is what happened on Raw last week. This is what happened on SmackDown last week. Up next, Tajiri versus Charlie Haas. And then you cut there and it's, it's, <laughs> it's just an arena. You've, you've got a, a stage, but there's no logos for no heat, velocity, no raw, no SmackDown. So fuck knows when they're a pro- proper dark match. <laughs> it's, right. it's, yeah, it's just it's random. Yeah, it's random. It's absolutely random. But yeah, um, for those that are interested, they want to hear us talk about the good, the bad, and the Katie Vick of the RE era. Um, <laughs> I'm going to plug the shit out of myself. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, every single podcast platform you can possibly fucking think of. Just type in RA Era Podcast and you'll find us. That's all I got to say. Fantastic, buddy. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm in if you want to do a Velocity episode. At some Absolutely. Point. Yeah, we, like I said, we spoke about this off air. Absolutely. Because um, Mike, my co-host, um, he's not, he, he remembers fondly, like this is kind of why I got into the RA. Well, two reasons, um, if I may digress for 30 seconds. Um, when mm-hmm. I first got introduced to podcasts, um, I found OSW, uh, the actual era podcast and the new gen podcast. Um, and obviously uh, for those aren't familiar, OSW free Irish lads, they're absolutely hilarious. I adore their work. They're one of the main reasons I, I decided to do this. Um, and, and then obviously a podcast, they cover actual era new gen podcast, uh, which again, I've got so much time, appreciation for. They helped me so much when I was starting out. Um, they did the new generation era and I was like, well, I feel like I can do a good bollocks job of the ruthless aggression era. But then I thought, <laughs> then I thought, hang on a minute. I don't quite remember it because I phase out about the butt end at 04, 05. I stopped watching. And it was, wasn't more of a choice. It was more of just a, a, the work got in the way and life gets in the way. And I started to, I had kids and stuff like that. Things get in the way. Uh, and it, it wasn't a priority anymore. Um, but Mike, my co-host, he he's a few years younger than me. So like when I was like meat and potato attitude era he was meat and potato ruthless aggression so there's so many things that i'm learning and stuff and it's such a fun ride so yeah if you want to join us for the ride you can check us out and uh find us on facebook where we've got over eighty thousand facebook followers and 70 percent of them are from the, the middle east <laughs> i mean they, because they count uh, they it's count. amazing it's amazing right, we get obviously as, as anybody who'll be listening know who do podcasts uh, you get access to your stats and your views and, and you listen and stuff like that and uh, and the amount of plays in india is like four per episode right, but um twice uh, three times it's happened now where because i share um uh, when vince and his little wb bots allow me on facebook i'll share a little clip <laughs> from aurora smackdown of that month that we're talking about in a kind of way of self-promotion but also a way of engaging people and, and every mm-hmm. now and again, these clips get, we've, we've got quite where we had for a while, a, a semi-large Indian following on Facebook. And every now and again, these clips get picked up and get shared. So like, if you go onto our page, um, there will be a, a clip from one of our episodes that I spliced together that's got about a thousand views. You go above that, there's a video of Eddie Guerrero and JBL from No Mercy 2004 that has 5.6 million views. 
Man. And you put if you go Middle Easterns. Mate, if you go on to the likes, it's some <laughs> telling you now. Yeah. <laughs> but I have a lot of things I want to say right now that I'm just gonna keep but in my head. But, do you know from an outsider looking in, it looks like my page has got the amazing amount of numbers. <laughs> Right. Yeah. No. You got. You got your demographic, man. It's all. Mate, I, mate, I, sh- I shoot from the hip. It's not about numbers. It's not about likes. It's not about shares. It's having a fucking good time. Absolutely. Especially. That's, that's especially, why on. especially in this COVID time, where no one's living their best lives. Not in the fucking slightest. No matter what country you're in, like England, we've, they've just put us back into lockdown and stuff. And it's not a pleasurable time for anybody. Um, and I think communities need to come together at times like this, whether it's your village community, your town community, or the wrestling community. And the wrestling right. pod, the wrestling podcast community, we are one. It's one as itself, uh, and it's just great. It's great to just shoot the shit. Like we we've been on here now for just short of two hours, just shooting the shit about a random pay per view from two thousand one. Right. Which in theory, like when I sp- I spoke to my missus about this, and she was like, "But that's not what you do," because she she does listen a little bit. And I'm like, "Oh no, I know. It's it's like the year before we started." And she's like, "What are you doing that for?" Like it's like, well, do you know if you were part of it and you understood, and you'd be like, "Well, do you know?" Because sometimes it's just nice to shoot the shit with anybody that you can who shares that same passion, that same love, and that same love as shooting bollocks and chatting bollocks. And yeah, it's, it's what it's all about, man. It's what it's all about. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a new listener to your podcast, but I'm definitely going to keep listening to it. I, I could tell you. You, you don't have to. That I, try I, t- to I say it to everybody. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, I will put myself through. That. <laughs> right, at the start, because um, this is this is me. I've always said it as it is. Uh, if, if I offend everybody, then, ah, well, tough shit. If I get oh. a laugh out of it myself, fuck them. <laughs> um, numerous episodes at the start, we had quite a decent, like, it was building momentum. And then it got brought up more and more that my distaste for indie wrestling. I have such a distaste for it. I've Uh-oh. got no time for it. Each to their own. Right? It's each to their own. This is how it is. But in my personal opinion, <laughs> fucking trash. Right? Um, <laughs> but because we brought this up more and more and more as the episodes progressed, I was seeing more and more and more and more people leave. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why. So those yeah. that have stuck by us and those that are still with us, they share my disdain for dirty backyard school gym wrestling. <laughs> so you're not a big AEW guy is what I get. No, I absolutely adored AEW when it first came out. It was fresh. It was exactly what the rest world needed exactly what but my god you are turning into wwe light yeah man we, we, could, we could do a whole or t- we could do another two hours on that <laughs> oh, <definitely>. <laughs> <laughs> might be another one for another time but yeah yeah mm-hmm. once again man thank you for coming on i know you guys are anytime uh, you're on you're under lockdown, so you probably don't have anything else to do anyway. So no, no, that's it. I, I go, I go to work. I come in from work. I eat. I bathe. I relax. I sleep. That's that's the sometimes life these days. Well, that's it. And sometimes I just drink. Yeah, you know what? What else does life need, really? At the end that's of the day? it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, buddy. Yeah. Once again, thanks for coming on, everybody. Check out Ruthless Aggression Podcast, and uh, yeah, man. Thanks again for coming on. Anytime. Anytime. Once again, thank you to Dave from the RA Era podcast. You can find that podcast on SoundCloud, among other places. Uh, be sure to follow him on uh, Twitter and Instagram at RA Era Podcast. Man, that was so fucking fun. Thank you to Dave once again for coming on. 
Uh, we'll definitely have him on on a future episode. And as I mentioned before, I will be on uh, his podcast uh, sometime in the future. Um, the fuck is going on here? Testies, testies, one, two, three. God, cocksucker. My speakers are just sucking, sucking their own dick. Anyway. <laughs> yes. But speaking of sucking, uh, self-sucking, um, um, (laughs) so pull, to pull back the curtain a little bit, uh, I record in a room where I have, uh, an AC wall unit, um, so it's a kind of a thin layer around it, so you can pretty much probably hear me, um, on the outside, (laughs) And, I mean, there's just, like, a parking lot out there, so normally it's fine, but as soon as I said self-suck, <laughs> I heard a car door close. So, yeah, they I guess they just think I'm filleting myself by my by my lonesome in here, which is not the, the farthest thing from the truth, I guess. Oh, look, my cat's making a run-in again. Almost made it a whole episode without a cat run-in. What you got to say, Rock? What? You got, you got something to say to the people? Do I, do I have to fucking grab my mic like I'm a, like I'm a, on, on the on the scene reporter? What do you got to say? I'm just try, I'm trying to get your thoughts on the invasion storyline from 2001. What do you have to say? God, bitch. Of course, she clams up as soon as I want her to talk. Anyways, I think that is a perfect way to end. <laughs> Hold on, hold on, everybody, hold on, everybody. <clears throat> I think that's a perfect way to end the show. It's <laughs> good, cats. That's some that's some cat humor for you. Anyways, I'll go I'll go fucking jump off a bridge now. Thank you guys once again for listening. Apronbump.com, Apronbump on Twitter and Instagram. Happy Hanukkah. I'm hard. It's a hard-